this is a, a standard bottle of beer, I should point out, right? Because I'm having a drink tonight. Because okay. I'm on holiday. Hooray. Yay. Hello and thank you for listening to episode 505 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is the entertainment show for March, April and May 2023, which means, of course, I am joined by the man himself. It's Chris. Hello, everybody. Cheers. 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 You sat there. Frost. Is that what they say? (laughs) In, In where? Is it Germany they say Prost or is that other places as well? I have no idea. Or have I made that up? I don't know. See, a, a, any knowledge I get is from watching TV and films. And I'm sure I saw it was in Better Call Saul because uh, they, they, they got they drafted in some German workers to dig a big hole. Hmm. And they were saying Prost. Um, yeah, bottoms up, apparently. That's what that means. <laughs> that's, I'm sure they say that in a lot of countries. Well, especially in Germany. So, yes. Yeah. Get those bottoms up, people. Anyway. Anyway, Prost. Yes. To you, to <laughs> with your, with your, I should explain. You're in a very happy mood today, mate. We should get this out of the way. You're oh. sat there. I, I can see you. And uh, just for the listeners, I will explain. He's sat there in a very comfortable reclining chair, mm. t-shirt, shorts, no underwear, as I saw. Le- legs his leg. Oh dear! And uh, <laughs> and and there's a beer that you poured yourself. Ah, oh, a lovely German beer. That's probably why I'm, you know, uh, in my. By speaking a bit of German, <laughs> you can call it that. Um, so, uh, yes, anyway, cheers. I'm drinking an Erdinger, um, which apparently, uh, as I've mentioned just before we start recording, that, that is endorsed by Jurgen Klopp. Um, he, he uh, His face is on the back of this beer, which I've bought. I also have uh, a bottle of San Miguel and a Peroni. Bottle of Peroni. You've got them so lined go. up. Good. You See, are definitely in holiday mode, mate. This is going back to the early days of the entertainment show, isn't it? Where we'd get um, a, a bit drunk and end up pissing in a bottle. In a bottle. So uh, I don't know whether I'll be doing that because the bottles aren't very big. And I don't know about you, but w- when you have a few drinks, it's like you're an elephant pissing or whatever. Oh, yeah. And also um, you're on video as well, which makes a difference. Now. <laughs> I don't know if... Uh, you know, as, as, as much as I love you, mate, I don't think I want to see you piss into a beer bottle. No. Say I'm going around, I'm, you know, I'm very continental. I, I'm uh, traveling to Germany with my Erdinger. I'm hmm. going to Spain with my San Miguel. And then I'm also going to Italy with my Peroni. So. And here's me with Vimto. Where's Vimto from, I wonder? Uh, Vimto. I don't know. I don't know. Is it a British it... thing? I see, I was, I think I've said this before, but I, I, as a joke, I know it's not called it, but I call it Vimpto. I don't know why. <laughs> because I'm stupid. Um, oh, apparently, it first sold in Lancashire in uh, the UK. It was manufactured as a health tonic in cordial form. Ew. And then deca- decades later, as a carbonated drink, it contains the juice of grapes, raspberries, and blackcurrants, flavoured with herbs and spices. Oh. 
Um, and uh, yeah, there you go. The, the original recipe was invented in 1908 by John Noel Nichols, who was born in Blackburn, England, and educated at the then Blackpool Grammar School. Um, yeah, there you go. Vimto has been made into a sweet uh, and an ice lolly and is available in cans and bottles and as a draft soft drink in pubs. It is. So I've go. had, yeah, Vimto ice lollies. God, that takes me back as a kid. I had them. Yeah. Fizzy Vimto, not a fan of Fizzy Vimto, uh, in a can, although, God, this is like the Vimto podcast already, isn't it? Uh, the Vimto, <laughs> the beverage podcast starring beers and Vimto. Uh, yeah, Fizzy Vimto in a can, way too sweet, but Vimto is a cordial and pour some carbonated water in. Mm, very nice. Mm. Do you know where the name comes from? Um, <clears throat> it was originally sold under the name Vim Tonic, but then it was shortened to Vimto. How about that? Bet you never knew that, did you? Wow. There we go. Educational podcast that we are. Something all the time, aren't you? (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it, Wikipedia? It is. Stuff you can read on there. (laughs) Anyway, enjoy your Vimto. Yeah, you enjoy Um, your beers, mate. Thanks. I I like a Vimto, to be honest with you. It is um, a nice, refreshing drink. And uh, yeah, awesome. Mm. So no, I thought, uh, like I said, I'm in holiday mode. I'm... Uh, going on holiday soon so um it's kicking off with uh talking to you because it feels like i haven't been done that for a long time mm-hmm. and having an awesome friday night chatting about films tv books whatever um whilst having a few beverages a few bevies that's a good way to kick off your holiday period Oh, it's awesome. And because I'm a massive egomaniac, uh, because you, your camera isn't on for various reasons, um, but mine is. And I, you'd think with work, because, you know, everybody has Teams calls these days hmm. don't they, or Zoom calls or whatever, you'd get fed up of them. But actually, I don't know about you, but whenever you're, I'm having a Teams call, uh, I don't look at everybody else's picture. I get drawn to looking at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm looking at myself now. I've got a because obviously I can't see yours is just the 60MW logo. So yeah. I've got uh, I've I've actually cut your half off in the view <laughs> just to make my bit bigger. <laughs> because why not? Yes, so, yeah. Cheers to me. <laughs> that would explain why you keep fiddling with your own nipples. Then you just like ah, oh yes, yeah. no, I, I'm not. I promise you, I, I will if you want me to. But I, no, I'm just adjusting my t-shirt. Um, <laughs> Well, well, like I said at the beginning, this is March, April, May. We've got three months worth of stuff to catch up on. Uh, I've got to admit, mate, I haven't got loads. I thought I'd have way more. Uh, I, you know what? I was thinking, that's why, to, to be fair, we were going to actually record this a couple of weeks ago. And I, um, through, through various other you know, reasons and whatever, but I, I hadn't got around to watching the films, that you know, the double dip picks. So um, I postponed it. And then you got something on, which I'm sure you'll talk about Um because it sounded amazing based on Tina's review, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Was yeah, I was thinking, holy shit! I, you know, you look at your letterboxed diary and you're thinking, I haven't really watched a whole lot of stuff since we last recorded. So, um, but I, I don't know if that's because uh, you know an indictment of the because the weather's improving a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you spend a bit more time out and about doing stuff, or if it's just you know. I'm, I can't be asked. I don't know, but I think it's probably a fact that I'm busy and, you know, got other things going on. So, but yeah, I'm, well, anyway, it's fine. Mm. I mean, we, we all say that though. And we end up talking about nearly three hours, <laughs> which is, you know, it suits me. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm going to begin mate with 
and, and I get to look at myself. Anyway, well, yeah, so, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you know, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> You've got a few hours of looking at yourself on the screen in front of you. <laughs> that's, that's all good. <laughs> yes, Prost. Cheers. Yes, cheers. It's like I'm having a conversation with myself because I'm talking. I'm looking at myself. Yeah, I'll turn my mic off now. And then you, can, <laughs> you can carry on for a little bit. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to start, mate, with something that you've recommended a few of those. I don't think I've ever recommended one, to be honest with you. Uh, an audio book. <gasps> mm. mm. And there is a reason for it, and we'll get to it. And you, you alluded to it just a few minutes ago. The audiobook is Bez, The Nine Lives of a Happy Monday. And Ooh. yeah, so I subscribed to all, I was going to say audio then, Audible for a month. Um, because to buy this, I think it was like, I think it was like even on Audible was like about 20 quid or something, which I thought, bloody hell, that's expensive. Um, so I subscribed for a month, which I think was seven ninety nine, And the reason I, sub- uh, I subscribed to it and got this book is because, believe it or not, mate, a week ago tonight it was, uh, I was on stage with Bez for, for 90 minutes, as weird as that might sound. Now, you're um, collecting your Happy Mondays, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you spoke to Sean Ryder, haven't you? Yeah, I, I was on stage with him as well. <laughs> so for, <laughs> for new listeners or, or people that don't know, so um, I've talked about many times on this show and other shows of the Tivoli in Buckley, which is about a 40-minute drive uh, from here. And it's the place I've been going to since, you know, like the mid-80s for rock gigs and stuff. And we've known the owners there for, oh, God, a good few years now. And that's the place where we go. And we get in and we review gigs there. And of course, all that went, you know, to hell during all the pandemic and stuff. But we started going back again. Uh, so in 2019, and this was just before, was it 2019 or was it 2020? No, it was 2019 it was. I, I did um, an in-conversation with Sean Ryder, the owners of the TIFF, said, can you be the host? So I went on stage with him and did an hour chatting to him and then half an hour Q&A with the audience and so on. So then, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call <laughs> from the owner again saying, oh, can you come? We've got Bez coming next week. Can you come and host the evening again? So, you know, I said, yeah, of course I can. I'll come and help you out. Always happy to help the TIF out in any way that I can. And, um, yeah, got there uh, last Friday and got there for about 7 o'clock. The, oh, the schedule was he was on stage with me 8 till 9 then nine till half past on stage, but I was taking questions from the audience and then he did the meet and greet stuff. So we got there, me and Tina got there. It was about quarter past seven. Then about 20 past seven, Bez arrived. Uh, went upstairs into the green room. I give him five minutes and I thought, I'll go up and introduce myself, you know, because we're going to be on stage for 90 minutes together. So I went upstairs. Uh, mate, he is, he's such a great guy. He's really a nice friendly funny down-to-earth guy um we oh god so we chatted upstairs for about half an hour um just over actually um just got to know each other asked him is there anything you know you don't want me to bring up and he was like oh no ask me anything whatever you want i don't care <laughs> i was like oh, okay uh then we went on stage had an hour just like chatting usual stuff like i do with interview shows on here don't have any questions ready have a few bullet points and then just listen to what he says and go off on tangents about all sorts of bullshit which you know went off in directions much like when we talk mate 
because <laughs> because we ended up talking at one stage about him being on tour and people getting um, Cadbury's chocolate finger biscuits shoved up their arse. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, doing okay. the shows doing the shows with with you, I thought, well, yeah, this is just ground I've covered before. You know, it's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, he really was like so so funny, and um, yeah, the Q and A was good. Luckily, the audience were okay. Well, no, actually, the audience were more than okay. There was only one guy that had a bit too much to drink. The Sean Ryder one, there was quite a few pissed up people in that, mate. That was, was that was that? a bit of a rowdy crowd to control, I've got to admit. But this one was a lot better, a lot better crowd, a lot better, more well-behaved. Um, yeah, did that, then went back upstairs with him, had another few minutes. Um, here's how good the nicer guy is. I've mentioned before on here, so I, I teach at uh, a charity um, – run college for 16 to 25 year olds with with learning differences and disabilities and i explained this to him and i took a little goodie bag from there which had got a mug in it and you know a little jar of of jam and all sorts of stuff a little pamphlet about bees because they do beekeeping at the college and he's really into beekeeping so i thought you know that'd interest him and um i said you know we're charity run so we're always doing stuff for to raise funds so i'd bought a set of maracas from amazon and I said, would you mind signing these and then we can do some fundraising and kind of take your picture holding them, you know, as proof that it's not me that signed them. It is, is you. No problem doing that. Um, yeah, whatever he could do to help. He was, yeah, he was just genuinely really, really nice and it was an awesome night. And uh, yeah, like you said, Review by Tina is on the website. Mm. It was brilliant. It's a really good review. It's uh when I read it, it quite it's quite a long review as well, mm. but it kind of made you feel like you were there, and also you could relate to the to to the you know the person that she was writing about Bez. And I, I, I've listened to Happy Monday's music. I suppose it kind of came out when I started to go out around you know the mid nineties and whatever. Like I quite like some of their songs and what, but you know their trips abroad and the drugs and everything else. I suppose are quite legendary, aren't they? Oh um, god, yeah. And um, but it. It would have been, I'm sure it would have been a really fun, um, you know, interview. I think the thing that came across was because you'd think that, you know, it, I don't know, just be a bit drug addled or his brain would mm. be a bit sort of like all over the place. But he just sounded like a gen genuinely nice guy, you know, just a really nice person. So, yeah, that's cool. That's, uh, it's really cool that you've done that. I think that's awesome, you know. Yeah. And and as T I know, you know, you're very modest and whatever. But as Tina mentioned, you know, it's uh, you're you, you do put people at ease, and I think that's probably why you know I open up to some of the, saying some of the stupid shit that I do, um, <laughs> because you you know you do that, and you know with the fact that you know you met a, a stranger who's uh, you know famous, um, and you, you just talk to them as people that's the thing isn't it you know yeah. I think that's what whenever you talk to people for the podcast you know um you just talk to them and i think that's kind of what makes them open up a little bit as well i had to ask him as well because he won celebrity big brother and when he was in there he was in there with bridget nielsen and and jackie stallone sly's ex-wife and his mum so of course you know me mate big sly fan i had to go down that road with him Oh, yeah, good story. So there's loads in this book, and it's read by him. Uh, Sean Ryder comes into it at points as well to give, because he comes on, oh, that's fucking bullshit, what Bez just said. <laughs> this is what really happened. Uh, then there's bits read by Arlo, 
who is, I think his eldest son, if I remember rightly, because he goes and does DJ gigs with him. And uh, yeah, there's some funny stories from that. And then his wife, he got married in September, and his wife, who is the vocalist for a melodic rock band called Control the Storm. Uh, but I've not got to her. It's a 10-hour book, and I think I've got about two and a half hours still to listen to. But it's so funny because the bits that Bez reads, and if you've not heard what Bez sounds like, just pop an interview on by him or go and listen to this book. But he's proper. I'm not even going to try and do it because you can't even replicate it. But he, he mispronounces so many words, which I can relate to because I fuck up mostly on names of people and stuff. But he'll, mm. um, I'm trying to think of an example. So instead of, a thes- here's me, I'm going to fuck it up now. Instead of thesaurus, he'd say thesaurus. So it sounded like a dinosaur. <laughs> But he really, he mispronounces loads of words, but it just it endeared me more to him that they go, oh, fuck it, I don't care if I'm reading these words out wrong. You know what I mean when I say yeah. it? I don't care. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's some absolutely hilarious stories in it. There's, you know, the shit. By his own admission, it's just like, you know, they get up to some rum shit. Uh, at one point, at one point, he's on his knees, right? This is drug drug deal gone wrong. Uh, he's on his knees... And he's got a gun, like, pressed against his forehead. And he thinks about, like, taking him on, but he can't because there's another guy in the same room with a fucking huge machete. And you go Jesus. what the hell? How did you get into that? I mean, this is why it's called, the, you know, the Nine Lives of Happy Monday. He goes through different things that happened to him where he could have died, this motorbike accident where he was in a coma for fucking ages. And he was having hallucinations of Billy Connolly at the foot of his bed doing wheelies in a wheelchair it's like what the hell it's um yeah it's it's funny and it's good i can see just to play devil's advocate with myself i can see people listening to it and getting annoyed at his voice you know it's mm. it's one of those and you know him not saying words right you could go oh this is a bit grating now and a bit, a bit annoyed with it but like i say for me it really endeared me to him um I was going to say maybe it's because I met him, but it's not. You know, I listened to virtually all of it before I met him just to do a little bit of homework on him. Um, And even not having met the guy then, it was like, yeah, he's really good. You know, it it comes through. So if you want to laugh, you don't need to be a fan of Happy Mondays. I mean, I'm not. I told him I was a rock fan, you know, during the 80s and 90s about going into the Hacienda, I think once, maybe twice. But I'd go to Manchester and I'd go to Jilly's, which was the rock club, you know. And, you know, he was fine with that. He said, yeah, everybody likes all types of music. So um, even though if you're not a fan of him, it's still worth it's still worth a listen for a laugh, I would say. If you've got Audible anyway, download it, give it a go. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've just added it to my wish list. So um, I shall be uh, – because I don't know what it is. I go through spells with Audible, I, I, you know, so just subscribe to it. And then you build up – I think I had like five credits at one point. And, uh, you know, you can have holidays, but I think you can only do that maybe once. And then because I, I tried to do it again. It says you need to email us if you want to do that because, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, but then I, I just had a splurge on books. Yeah. So um, I, but I've just finished one. Um, and this is somebody else who I believe you've actually seen live as well. Um, it, Bob Odenkirk, uh, his book, Comedy, 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 Drama, uh, which is obviously all about his life and his 
early years in stand-up comedy, writing, working with uh, or at Saturday Night Live, and then doing his own show uh, called Mr. Show, which I've never seen. Um, and then obviously talking a bit about um, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and then some of the other films that he's worked on. Um, and it was good because he narrates it and he's got, you know, he's got one of those voices that you can listen to. So, yeah. but what I found about it was, is that, that it's uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but let's say it's, it's eight hours long and probably about six of that is about his early life, his stand up career, his, you know, early uh, TV work and everything and else. and and I because I was watching Breaking Bad and uh, sorry not Breaking Bad uh, Better Call Saul I've just finished it and so I kind of wanted him to get to that point do you know what I mean and you want to hear a bit because um, I listened to Brian Cranston's audiobook and that go, does go into quite a bit more detail about Breaking Bad whereas this it's sort of not an afterthought he does go into he does talk about it and talks about getting the job and then you know go, doing the spin off and everything and at that point that he's writing the book it's around 2019 2020 because he's he talks about making uh nobody um and that was i think he said he made that in 2019 but obviously then there was the pandemic so he didn't get seen until when did that come out was it 2021 something like that yeah i think it was yeah um so it's i i enjoyed it but i would have liked probably a bit more about the the sort of more recent stuff because you know it's like Unless you've seen the things he's talking about, you you find it hard. I find it hard to relate to it. You know, it's you don't know what he's really um, he's going on about. But you saw him live, didn't you? I think yeah, he was touring the UK. Yeah, it was, I think it was about a month ago. Me and Tina went to Liverpool, and he was at uh, oh shit, I was going to say the Palladium, the F- Liverpool Philharmonic. It was there. I, I only know him from nobody. Because I've not never watched, you know, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. I only know him from Nobody, which I, you know, I think is a great film. And uh, well, yeah, you know, he obviously came out with loads of stories about his early career and all the comedy stuff. And, and but it was good stories, like you said. He's got a voice that you want to listen to, and he was very witty, a very dry sense of humour, and yeah, he just got really good stories of of going through his career. Uh, obviously, some great stories about nobody as well. And he confirmed nobody too as well. So no that, way. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, that's what, cause it, I suppose it does lend itself to a sequel, doesn't it? If I remember rightly. Yeah. And me and, me and Tina on the drive back, we were saying the sequel has to be called Somebody. I mean, come on, surely. Because, oh. you know, he's known now, isn't he? It's, it's we're putting money on. It's it's going to be called Somebody. Yeah. They're not going to call it Nobody Too. I think that'd be a bit shit. No, that no, that would be terrible. But it's funny you mention that because about his sense of humour, because in the book he does talk about how he was influenced by a lot of British comedy, particularly Monty Python. Yes, yeah. Um, and the young ones he references, um, The Office, um, and things like that, you know, and, and which I wasn't expecting him to talk about. Monty Python, I suppose, yeah, because Monty Python's um known across the world, isn't it? But I suppose things like the young ones. I mean, you, you you don't know how far reaching their influence was across the world, whether it was or not. But yeah, I remember the the young ones is one of my yeah. time favourites. I remember it, watching that when my dad ran a youth club, and I was probably too young to watch it, but it was on, and it was it was just mad zany, you know. Um, 
um anarchic is that the word yes I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've fucked it up uh <laughs> you know that kind of, <laughs> that kind of it was just anything could happen and then all of a sudden your band would just start playing music in the middle of yeah. the show it was amazing you know remember watching um motorhead and loving ace of spades um you know because they played that it's crazy it was just a brilliant show and then be, it'd be interesting to know if you carried on watching things like Bottom or Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. He was saying he was saying his favourite British comedy, and he did do a deep dive into British comedy. You know, he is well versed on it and he really does love it. But his favourite British comedy is The Royal Family. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of all of them, he was, he, he was going, yeah, I absolutely love it. And it's like, I think it was him and his son who like re watching it for the umpteenth time. Yeah, it's their absolute favourite one. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, just uh, talking about just finish off. I suppose my little bit on audiobooks. So yeah. I, I did have a bit of a splurge, and uh, so the the ones I've got lined up are uh, Miriam Margoyles. This much is true, which I'll um, oh, that, that should, should be good. good should be good. Yeah, because uh, well, she speaks her mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. say. Um, I don't. I'm, I like Iron Maiden, but I'm, I know you don't particularly, but I'm not a massive Iron Maiden fan, and, but I've heard it's a good book. So I, I, um, What Does This Button Do by Bruce Dickinson? Um, uh, I've given that one a go. Um, have, you've heard, have you heard of an angry video game nerd? Yes. James Rolfe. So he's got a new book called A, Ma- a Movie Making Nerd. So that's sort of like independent filmmaker and obviously doing the angry video game nerd. So I'm looking forward to listening to that. So, but I've done, I've done a few video game ones actually. So, um, it's uh, called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo by Reggie Phil's Aim, who was the president of Nintendo of America at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that should be interesting. But the one I'm listening to at the moment, I started listening to it yesterday and I haven't been able to put it down. I'm um, sort of like two and a half hours into it. Normally, I listen to audiobooks when I'm either in the car or I'm running or whatever. Um but I've just been listening to this one constantly. It's called Itchy Tasty, an unofficial history of Resident Evil. Um, Itchy Tasty is a reference to the first video game where you can find little diaries and things that people have written. And um, this is kind of like the the slow descent of somebody who's turning into a zombie and his final um, ex, his final uh, kind of thing that he writes in this this diary is Itchy Tasty, um, <laughs> and and uh, which is a bit creepy, but it's um by a writer called alex um anil i'm gonna say that's how you pronounce it but uh he doesn't um narrate it <clears throat> but he he uh clearly loves the resident evil games played them as a kid and then ended up working in the video games industry lives in japan and um has talked to lots of people that have been involved with the resident evil series throughout its you know 25 plus years of um since it's been around and it's so interesting each chapter is all is about each game. So chapter one's all about you know Resident Evil. Chapter two, obviously Resident Evil, and so on and so forth. So it's like and I'm I think I like I know a fair bit about the games, but the, I'm learning so m- much. You know, so many things about the like for t- particularly like Resident Evil Two, which came on two discs in this country, and I remember coming home on the bus. You know, really excited to play it because I love the first one, and then do trying to do a speed run like because there wasn't the internet at the time, but looking through a magazine and flicking through the pages and pausing the game to try and get through it. Because if you got through it in a certain time, you unlocked a, a, a different character. Ah, um, okay. 
But anyway, so the it came on two discs, and uh, the reason for that was because there were two stories, uh, one that told the story of Leon and one that told the story of Claire. And so you'd change discs when one story finished and, you know, you could choose who you wanted to start with. Well, anyway, apparently it wasn't supposed to ship on two discs. It could have fit on one, but because they cocked it up and they made a mistake, that's why it actually came out on two discs. However, obviously it came out with on two discs and everybody thought, oh, this game is going to be frigging <laughs> epic. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose in some ways all it added to their production costs, it, you know, added to the, you know, the feeling that this was a big step up from the first game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. And uh, having just completed the remake of Resident Evil 4, well, so recently, and absolutely fell in love with that game. Again, I've played it multiple times on different systems, but it's, uh, I love the Resident Evil series. The, I think that out of all of the, the games in that series that I've played, I think the only real misstep was Resident Evil 6, which was terrible. Um, but all, I love that series. It's, you know, it's a special series in my, you know, kind of gaming history, I guess. So, but yeah, <clears throat> really enjoying that. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one I'd recommend. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I quite fancy listening to that because I do like, I've still got, I completed Resident Evil 4 on the, no, on the GameCube. Yes. I, yeah, I completed it on the GameCube. I think I played it on the PlayStation as well. Was it which so that would have been the PS two? I think. Uh, or was it th I can't remember when it came out on that. Well it came on the GameCube first. Yeah. And then I, I remember that. Yeah, I had a chainsaw controller, which yeah, um, me too. which but, is crazy because I tried playing with it and it's ridiculous you couldn't do it. It was shit, yeah. wasn't it? You couldn't use it. <laughs> but it looked but amazing. It did look very cool. And then it came out on the Wii. Because you could use the Wiimote um, as the you know the controller, you know, and everything. And then um, I played it on something else as well. But yeah, it, it's great games. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got the I've got the remake on the Xbox. I've played. I only played about two hours of it, and loving it. So yeah, that's one that I need to go through. Excellent. Mm. Sorry, I'm opening a bottle. If it's you just heard. Yeah. Me. Which? Where uh, are we in the world now? You're going. We to... are in Spain, España. <laughs> Viva España. Um, <laughs> We are having a San Miguel. San Miguel. Uh, why not? There goes as he as he pours his beer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm not watching myself do it. I'm gutted. Sorry, because it's, <laughs> it's gone off. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it next time. Oh, I was going to say, don't watch yourself pouring the beer. You'll end up like pouring it all over your lap or something. Oh, there we are. Um, I might have to have a break at some point to have a piddle. But, That's uh, fine. We, sh we shall take a pee break. That's no problem. Marvellous. Well, there you go. Audiobooks. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, I'm going to, I have been quite lax in this recently um, in my documentary recommendations, but I think, I think I've come good in this episode because I've got five, five documentary recommendations. Uh, four of them coincidentally feature a colon in the title, which is, and when I say a colon, I mean, like the punctuation mark. Okay. <laughs> Not the other meaning. Four this, of isn't them. A reference, this isn't a reference to chocolate finger, is it? Uh, yeah. And to the reference to the bottoms up as well. We're just sort of <laughs> circling back on ourselves. Frost. <laughs> I'm going to start with a documentary. Um, it recently went on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. We got a good deal. We, I, think, I think it was through the Xbox we got it. I think it was one of the perks was, yeah, it was one of the perks because I've got Game Pass Ultimate, was three months Apple TV. So it recently came on there, and it's called Still, 
a Michael J. Fox movie. Oh, I've seen this advertised. Mm. I saw I watched the trailer for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about it because I, I like, I'll, I'm t- I need to get Apple TV again at some point because I want to watch Ted Lasso. Uh, the That's next what series. we're watching now, yeah. <laughs> so um, that I will definitely subscribe to it, for, even if it's just for a month or so. Because yeah. uh, well, I think I even, we with um, the first series of Ted Lasso, we we did it on the free trial. We watched we watched it within a week because like you know seven oh, days yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get it for a month or so. But tell me, tell me. Right. Well, I'm going to start, mate, and we've not done this for a while either. I'm going to start with. A vegan alert. <laughs> because it has been a while. Um, Michael J. Fox ate at McDonald's a lot. Uh, oh, this is the person off Letterboxd. Um, Letterboxd. See, I told, uh, told you it had been a while, mate. Uh, so, oh, right. So, because yeah, he ate McDonald's a lot. Yeah. Him. Also, yeah. another vegan alert. <laughs> He wanted to buy Pioneer Chicken. No idea what Pioneer Chicken is. Is it a fur? Mm. Is it? I don't know. But but to, to balance it, mate, there is a vegan point. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. Oh. Michael J. Fox plays chess with a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> if that Who wins? If that, I'm not telling you. You've got to watch it. I mean, that's oh, the big selling okay. point, the chess game with the chimpanzee. It all leads up to that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, fuck uh, the Queen's Gambit, mate. It's all about Michael J. Fox and a chimp. Okay. <laughs> um, apparently, um, Pioneer Chicken uh, or Pioneer Takeout is an American fried chicken restaurant chain that ah. was founded founded in um, Echo Park, Los Angeles. Um, there you go. Well, apparently, during the 70s, several locations operated in Honolulu on the island of Ohio. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Um, uh, and as of t- 2021, there are only two locations remaining uh, in one in Boyle Heights district of Los Angeles and the other in Bell Garden, California. So if you want pioneer chicken, there's only two places you're going to get it. Apparently. Limited. Good God. So I think KFC probably cornered the market. On no, that I think one. so. Yeah, definitely. Because it does look very KFC if I'm honest with does you. It? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, this, this, I mean, everybody, I don't need to explain who Michael J. Fox is, surely. Who is he, Dave? Who I is... don't know. Never heard of him. Yes, he's this actor guy, this chap, who's been in a few films. That you, I don't know if you've seen them, like Back to the Future, with those kind of, apparently there's more than one of those films as well. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is amazing, mate. It really is amazing. Uh, I mean, I think Michael J. Fox is beloved by a lot of people anyway. And it's, uh, again, if you know who he is, I'm quite sure that you know that I think it was age 29, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, and it tells his story in such a great way. And the, the, one of the main things that I really liked about this is he doesn't wallow in self-pity, which it could have been one of those, oh, poor me, look at me, and you know, all of this kind of stuff. He stays positive throughout. It's quite scary because it shows they it, it's a mixture of going back with archive interviews with him, uh, behind the scenes stuff on movies, clips from the movies that he was in, uh, but some of the reenactments. It's sort of so he ex- explains, you know, it's in his own voice, and he was like twenty nine, and he woke up one morning, and his little finger was just sort of twitching by itself, mm-hmm. you know, and they show that so you see, you know, this guy in the bed and his little fingers twitching, and he thinks. What the fuck's that going? On? What's what's going on there? And then you know, of course, it slowly 
builds up from there and you know the symptoms get a lot worse um but it's a very heartwarming very positive story i mean he's done so much fundraising for research into parkinson's it's unbelievable i was reading you know scientists have said that are doing research in that area that thanks to the ugh, i can't even give a figure of how much he's raised so far the research has really you know really come on and the, his sense of humor mate is incredible when stuff happens because he falls down a lot so he falls down and he, he fell down and I think he, you know, he smacked his head on the bedstead. He was in his bedroom. And if I remember rightly, I think he, like he broke his cheekbone or something. He, you know, he really hurt himself badly. Uh, and he, he says something along the lines of, yeah, it's, you know, gravity can be a bitch even from my height. Because, <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. he's not very tall, is he? Uh, and, and it's just a really good story i mean you feel for him obviously and you think fuck you know what the, the way that he hid it for ages he was taking uh, tablets you know while he was making films and tv shows and trying to hide it for as long as possible until it got to the point where quite obviously he couldn't hide it you know he had to uh, you know come out and admit that he'd got parkinson's and then since that has come out and how he's had to deal with it and how he's you know he's still getting you know worse with it but he's, you know he's got the love of his, of his family and so on it's really inspiring. It's one of those, again, where, you know, we all have shit days and you think, oh, fucking hell, what a shit day. And then you watch this and you go, oh, maybe my day wasn't quite as shit as I thought it was. You know, you, you feel a, a bit ashamed sometimes going, oh, no, I've not had a shit day because, you know, it's he's, he's living a lot of shit. And of course, you know, he is a multimillionaire, of course, and he admits that, you know, he can do things because of his wealth that other people with Parkinson's can't do, but he's trying to help those people through the research and everything. And if you're, I wouldn't even say you have to be a fan of Michael J. Fox to enjoy this because it's just a good human story. You know, anybody who'd got this attitude um, to what he's going through in life, you know, all the stuff to do with, you know, back to the future films and so on is it's all, it's all just the icing you know, on a very tasty documentary cake, as far as I'm concerned. That's just, oh, yeah, there's a bit of an, an outtake, a bit behind the scenes. Here's a story from there that just adds to it. But just following his life and his journey and his battle as he goes through it all is, um, yeah, inspiring. And, you know, it's still entertaining. It's funny. Um, it's a little bit sad, but without, like I say, being maudlin and going, oh, poor me, um, because you do feel sorry for him, but... Yeah, if you get Apple uh, TV Plus, mate, definitely one to watch and put that on your on your watch list pretty quick. Mm, I will do. Uh, everybody talk. I mean, obviously, you know, Back to the Future. Every, it's, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, he's going to be tied to that, isn't he? Forever, yeah. but uh, which is no bad thing. But uh, my one of my favourite Michael J. Fox films that um, I think is more well known than it was at the time because I don't think he did particularly well financially. Is the Frighteners. Oh God, um, I love that film. Yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson directed, and uh, it's a brilliant film. It's so good. I haven't watched it for a while, but yeah, I love that film. It's um, it's great, and he's good in it as well because he kind of almost uh, plays against type a little bit. Mm. You know, he's uh, a bit of an anti-hero, and you know, uses ghosts to. Uh, he's a bit of Ghostbuster, but he uses ghosts yeah. to you know scam people and whatever, and then. Um, Jake Boost is in it and he's a bit crazy. So, yeah, it's good. It's a good <laughs> film. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I want to rewatch that. I remember I've still got it as well. I think it was either the two disc or three disc special edition of it. 
And nice. that's like tucked away in the collection somewhere, but I haven't watched it in such a long time. So yeah, now you've yeah. said that, I want to watch it now. I'll have to put that back into my watch list. Yeah, another one. I haven't watched it in a long time, but The Hard Way. But I remember enjoying mm. that at the time with yeah. James Woods as well. That's yeah. quite fun. Yeah, it's um, is it called Lucky Man, the book um, that he wrote? Because I remember reading that years ago. Um, and that uh, you saying that, like you said, he was lying in bed, and I think he's like you said, his finger started to twitch, and then yeah. you know he would um compensate by you know drinking and, and taking painkillers or whatever and taking other things. And I think you said it's finally kind of slowly realization that you know you need to do something about this, but um. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll I'll definitely watch that one because it sounds good. Mm -hmm. uh, another documentary with another colon in it is Lewis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now. Oh, that's ah, on Netflix, isn't it? It is. Now, I couldn't tell you any Lewis Capaldi song whatsoever. No surprise there. Uh, I watched, I remember because it was all over the TV here when he got a song out. I think it was some point earlier in the year. And it was all over the TV because he, for the most of the time, he'd just got a pair of white underpants on. And he was on, like, breakfast TV shows here. And he kept telling the story of he'd got a really bad belly. I don't know if it's, like, food poisoning or something or other. And um, he'd got the shits, basically, <laughs> when they were making this video. <laughs> and he said, of all the things to have, and you're just sort of wearing a pair of white underpants and you've got the shits. <laughs> So he's really funny. He, he is one person. You know, I always say on the interview shows, only inter and it's true, I only interview people whose, you know, work I really love, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I'm always thrilled to talk to them. Now, while I don't know Lewis Capaldi's songs or much, I know more about him now after watching this, I think he'd be a really good interview because he is so fucking funny. Every, th every interview I've seen him on on TV, he has me in stitches uh, and it comes through in this as well, of you know his story of of, of growing up in you know not a, not a particularly well off family, and because he's got you know he was diagnosed with Tourette's quite recently, mm. and is um, and I think if I remember rightly he had to cancel a load of gigs because it was it was getting a lot worse, and he's got these ticks and it's not I know when you say Tourette's people think you know you're going to walk around a supermarket going fuck tits ass bomb or whatever. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily that and swearing his, it's physically, you know, it's like physical ticks, And it's a lot of it is his shoulder going. And then once you know about it, you see it more in the interviews that he's doing. And, you know, you can really, and it gets really sore for him because, you know, once your muscles are going like that and you're constantly working them, it gets really fucking sore. But he keeps his sense of humour throughout it all. And it really, it really endeared me to him. And not as a, you know, I still wouldn't buy any of his albums because that's not my type of music. But I would, I would, like I said, love an interview with him. Or I'd go, if he did like a spoken word tour, we just went and told stories, I'd be all up for that. And um, so me, as, a, as an ageing hair metal fan, really enjoying this just shows, again, you don't have to be a Lewis Capaldi fan to enjoy it. It's just really entertaining. Yeah, I, I, again, similar to you, I'm not really a big fan of his. Um, I, I hear the songs probably more than you do because it's uh, we listen to the radio with the kids and stuff. So yeah. his his songs usually appear on that. So, um, but yeah, I've got nothing against him particularly. I don't turn the, his music off, but it's like you said, it's not something I'd go out and buy. But uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like you said, it's one of those where you, when people have got things like with Michael J. Fox, you kind of you 
you're attracted to the human side of it, you know, and how they deal with it and all that sort of stuff. You know? mm. Yeah. And it can be inspiring kind of because like, yeah. you know, if they can make a success themselves, you know, and despite everything they've got going on, then what's stopping other people? Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, by his own admission, you know, he's, you know, he's an overweight guy with Tourette's and he's made it okay. You know, people who have to go, oh, I've got to look like this. I've got to sound like this. I've got to conform to all these, you know, social norms. He doesn't look like a pop star, does he? Let's he doesn't. Like he doesn't know, but he's so charismatic he really he really is he's got that certain x factor that it, i could just watch him and listen to him for ages uh somebody who i could listen to for ages and i have listened to for many years is uh, sergio leone there's a documentary sergio leone colon the man who invented america uh this it's um well it's do you uh, here you go words do you say homage or do you say homage homage so I do i so do i but i have heard people go no it's homage so this is a homage by that's like garage and gar garage, garage isn't it <laughs> yeah. i don't say garage i say garage but then i suppose if that was the, i'd say homage but it's weird isn't it it is weird actually yeah that is weird that we we yeah, we both say garage, but we say homage. Don't the Americans call a garage a garage? Garage, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's weird. I've never really thought about it until yeah. then. But that, that they sound pretty much the same, don't they? When you say them, yeah. And there's two ways of saying it. So, American you listeners say tomato. Yeah. I say tomato. Well, let's say no, I don't actually because I'm not American. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I want to know from our American listeners. Do you say because if you say garage, well then by our estimation you'd say homage. I don't know. Let's know. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure nobody will e email in and let us know. Uh, yeah, th this is a homage by loads of different people to the legend that is the Italian director, Sergio Leone, of course, probably best known for the Dollars trilogy, Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, Good, Bad, New Glee, but loads of other films too. And there's, I mean, there, there's a lot of talking heads, granted, but those talking heads are very interesting and have got a lot to say when you've got the likes of, you know, Dario Argento, Darren Aronofsky is on there, Clint Eastwood is on there, um, De Niro, Frank Miller, Steven Spielberg, uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know, there's loads of great, all of them with a huge love and respect of Sergio Leone and learned a lot from him you know, and quite rightly say, oh, yeah, this, you know, I pinched this from him. His films are, are really, really good. Um, of course, you know, always associate the soundtracks of Ennio Morricone. That's why I said we'd listen to it at the beginning. I, I fucked up a bit at the beginning because I said I've listened to him loads. But I've listened to the soundtrack of his film loads, I meant, of course. Mm. Uh, yeah, of course, I go into this because, I'm, you know, I'm a big Dollars fan, Clint Eastwood fan. Love, you know, a load of the other movies that he's made as well. This, I would say, even though with the other ones with Michael J. Fox and Lewis Capaldi, you know, I so say you don't need to know them to really enjoy it. This, I would say, it helps if you know Sergio Leone and you're a fan of his movies. I don't think people would get as much out of it if they've got no idea who he was. This is one mm. way you do need that little bit of background about him. But if you do you're going to get a lot out of it because uh, some of the stories are just brilliant and it sort of fleshes out his background a bit and his filmmaking and, you know, and how he pieces films together. And 
Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a Leone fan. I thought it was well worth watching. It's got a good rate. I mean, I'm just looking now. It's a 7.6 on IMDb. So mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, a lot of people agree with me. So definitely put this on your documentary watch list if you're a fan of his movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, shall I go through? Shall I finish that? I've got two more documentaries. Do you doc? Do you documentaries? I'll go, go through on. my documentaries. Right. Let's go on to um the final one with a colon (laughs) and it is made you look a true story about fake art uh we watched this just the other night and i don't know what do you think about the art world mate when you think of the art world what comes to mind art world yeah you know the you know high art art galleries the artists the art buyers the dealers um uh pretension yeah uh it's sort of um yeah that kind of thing um just i'm not a massive art fan but then every you could argue lots of things are art can't you like video games movies mm. or and whatever but in terms of i suppose something that's stuck up on a wall let's say that i've got a picture and you know it's i wouldn't class it as high art but it's uh somebody's painted Shaun of the dead mm. um you know i like, like like looking at that uh so yeah the high art the high sort of grade stuff like yeah the, you know greed yeah um money um yeah like i said people who are sort of pretentious wankers maybe <laughs> that kind of thing it's uncanny mate it's like you've watched it already because <laughs> oh. that, <laughs> okay. that, that is what it is full of it reminded me of um and again i'm going to reference filthy rich and cat flap and if, you, if you've not watched that series, again, please go and watch it from 1987. Subscribe to Podcat Flappo as well, the great podcast from Jeffers in Australia that talks all about it. It's it's one of my all-time favourite comedy series, which I quote loads anyway. But there's one episode where Eddie Catflap uh, becomes an artist called Eduardo Catflappo. <laughs> and he just he does ridiculous things like he'll belch. And then, you know, this posh rich person will buy it for like ten thousand pounds you know it's the first form of disposable art and all that you know it's really full of itself you'll puke on the floor and it'll put a frame around it and you know and sell it and all this kind of stuff this really highlights like the pretentious rich twats in the art world uh because it's um well the, the imdb synopsis it's just one sentence uh made you look is an american crime documentary about the largest art fraud in American history, set in the super rich, super obsessed, and super fast art world of New York. Uh, this it focuses on, a, on a, a woman that worked at this art gallery in New York, and then she's approached by another woman who knows this Mister X, and he apparently has uncovered these undiscovered paintings by the likes of Jackson Pollock and other famous artists mostly from the 1950s and they're part of the oh i know it's something tina's gonna hate me because i couldn't remember it when she listens to this something expressionism basically it's the kind of painting where you'd go was that done by somebody in primary school you know it's like two one of them and it's sold i think this sold for like about five and a half million it is. Jeez. It's it's so it's a rectangular canvas portrait, and it's it's got two coloured rectangles on it, one at the top, one at the bottom. That's it. 
and not even not even straight lines. You know, it's just like shit rectangles, two of them. And then people know Jackson Pollock, and if you don't know, just type it into Google, and it's just he's just splashing paint all over. Yeah, you know. And if there's any art aficionados that argue otherwise, he's just splashing fucking paint all over. It's like what? These paintings to me are not art. They're just people taking the piss in this pretentious, money-filled world of art that suddenly, you know, has been built up. So this woman that comes to the gallery knows Mr. X. He's He's got hold of this painting by, let's say, Jackson Pollock. Nobody's ever known about it. Uh, so the art gallery buy it for, like, half a million. Then they sell it for, like, five, six, seven, eight, ten million, and they make a huge profit on it. So everybody's making out like a bandit. Then this woman comes to the art gallery again. Oh, Mr. X has found another painting and it's by this other famous artist or it's another Jackson Pollock. All right, we'll give you, yeah, we'll give you 600,000 this time. Okay, yeah, off you go. And then they sell it again for like a huge markup and this goes on for ages. And in the end, this art gallery, I think it makes like about $80 million or something ridiculous. So then it comes out, the people that are buying, you know, like six, seven, eight million dollars, these paintings for that much, suddenly figures out, oh, this could be like a fake. So, so, so it's shit now. So it's not about the art. They didn't buy it. They went, that's amazing. I'm going to pay $6 million for that. They paid $6 million because it was a Jackson Pollock or it was something else. But when they found out it wasn't by him, it's suddenly a piece of shit, which makes you think this is so, so fucking stupid, I think. Um and then it it twists and turns. Again, I don't want to give away the ending, but it all twists and turns, and it all links into a person in China who is behind everything. And it's it's quite one of those. It doesn't have loads of, of too many twists and turns, like the documentaries we've talked about in the past, where you go, fucking hell, I never saw that coming. Um, but there are some way It's enjoyable to see the screws being turned on people with a lot of money. <laughs> no, that sounds awful. Yeah. But, but it is. These, you know, the arty-farty type, oh, yes, I've just paid $6 million for that, and it's a Jackson Pollock, and then you go, oh, it's not. Oh, it's a really uh, shit painting now, isn't it? And I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> they deserve to get nailed, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's like, no, well, you should just buy it because you like it for what it is, not for who did it. Surely is the way I would look at it. I think, that's a nice painting. Yeah, you know, I'd have that on my wall. Like you said with that Shaun of the Dead one, you went, yeah, that's a nice painting. And it's a film of and I like to look at it, so I'm going to buy it. But it's say, say you go, oh, and, you know, Tina painted it. Oh, I'm going to buy it. You know, I like it. And, oh, Tina painted it. I'll buy it. And then you find out Tina didn't paint it. It was somebody else. You won't go, oh, it's shit now. You'd still like looking at it because you bought it because yeah. you like it. But no, at this top end of the art world, mate, it's not about what it looks like when it boils down to it. It's about who bought it and how much it's worth. And so showing off, oh, yes, I've got Jackson Pollock on my on my wall. But if it's not by him, they don't want it because it's shit by their own admission. So it was enjoyable for that, as bad as that may sound. No, it's good that rich people get some, a bit of comeuppance <laughs> every now and then. They deserve it. So Yes, and if there's any rich people listening to this... Uh, Send us some money. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final documentary hasn't got a colon in it. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's called Is That Black Enough For You? And it's from 20, 2022. It's two, two, and a, two and a quarter hours. Actually, it's quite long, but it goes by in a flash. 
Um, and it tracks the history of black cinema. And now you think there's been a few similar ones, and they normally focus on the black exploitation movies of the 60s, especially going into the 70s. And then while this touches on, on those films uh, and focuses a lot on the 70s, it's got loads of interviews, loads of great footage from film. It's one of those that you watch and you go, oh, I've not seen that before. I'm going to add that to my watch list. Here's another one. So there are some, you know, funny and funky black exploitation ones, but there's a lot of really serious uh, movies in there that I'd never heard of. Some great interviews, Talking Heads, uh, Harry Belafonte, uh, Antonio Fargas, you might know as... Um, Ooh, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. Lawrence Fishburne, Whoopi Goldberg, and of course, Samuel L. Jackson. Of course he has to be in it, talking about stuff oh, like yeah. this. Uh, it's amazing. You know, it goes from films... You know, from the, almost the beginning of film from the 1930s when if you were a black actor, you'd be a servant and that would be about it. You know, you'd be wearing, you know, the the dicky bow and you'd be the servant to the gentry of that era. And then it, it surprisingly long time how there was still no main black actors in films. Then it gets to the 60s and then that begins to turn a little bit and then more into the 70s. And it's a fascinating story and it's, you know, a sad story as well of how... Black actors were not represented properly in cinema, but there's this some amazing films in it. So I, I, a lot of them I'd already seen, but there were some that were new to me where I thought, fuck me, I've got to, I've got to watch some of these. Uh, so it's, it's really, really good. Again, I'm hoping that people that listen to this have got, you know, an interest in movies. Uh, so if you want to expand your knowledge of black cinema... Make sure that you watch Is That Black Enough for you? Because you will be adding stuff to your watch list. You will be learning stuff and you'll be listening to some really good stories and some great clips from films as well. Um, yeah, rec highly recommended, mate, for uh, any cinephile out there. Excellent. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. That's that's my documentaries. That's all your documentaries. It is, yeah. Ooh, you're back on it. Um, I remember once, it must have been an aberration because I think there was one episode we hadn't watched any at all. I know, that was that was how shocking. <laughs> how remiss of me to have no documentaries. Hopefully I've made up for it in this one with five good recommendations for people. If you do watch them and enjoy them, please email us, let us know what you think. Yeah, or it, or if you've got any documentary recommendations, I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah. Excellent, right. Shall I uh, jump in with a couple of bits? You go, yes, go on. People are sick of hearing me now, mate. Over to you. No, no, you know, the. Um, I like to, to sort of do a little report card because you recommend stuff to me. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, based on your recommendation from the last show, I watched The Banshees of Inner Sharing. Because um, I think you mentioned that as one of the films that you'd watched and enjoyed. Yes. With uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it. Like you said, it's very funny in places, but it's also really dark, isn't it? <laughs> it I, is. It is, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's a sort of funny um, meme or whatever, if you want to call it that, because uh, obviously people in America and other places aren't going to know who we're talking about. But there's been all of that stuff about um, Phil, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby from this morning. <laughs> yeah. There's that funny yeah. clip that, where, you know, it's like, because that's the whole thing is Colin Farrell, you know, it's the, the thing is, you know, I thought we were friends. You liked me yesterday. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just wakes up one day and says, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. You know, doesn't want anything it. to do with him, uh, which is brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very, it was good. It was really funny. Kay didn't like it at all. I um, 
enjoyed it though i thought it was uh it was good um some really good performances in there so particularly uh the sister of colin farrell yeah, whose yeah, yeah. name escapes me but i didn't realize she's actually in breaking bad uh i'm gonna have to f- uh, not sorry breaking bad better call saul uh i'm gonna have to find out her name because that's really bad of me to not um know what her name is consider i'm talking about her um but uh yeah she's really good in it because she's quite funny kerry condon that's it um she's good so yeah um enjoyed that um watched elvis the baz lerman yeah movie um now i haven't seen any other adaptations of elvis but i know that there are them yeah i know there's the john carpenter one isn't there with kurt russell yeah yeah and then I think there's others, but uh, this is the first one that I've watched. And as you'd imagine, it is a visual showpiece showcase uh, coming from Baz Luhrmann and uh, Austin Butler is awesome. He's really good in, in it. Um, and uh, Tom Hanks is good in it. I think, I don't know. How did you feel about Tom Hanks's accent and did it, did it bother you? It did was. It I've, you? Yeah. I've got to admit at the beginning, it was pretty distracting. And now, whether he did talk that in re- like that in real life, because he's d- supposed to be know. Dutch, is it was the, yeah. the Colonel Dutch? Yeah, was I he? think he was, wasn't he? Because I can tell if he was supposed to be German or not, but yeah, I don't know. But it was, it was distracting to begin with, but then after a while, it was it just sort of became the norm for that character. Yeah. It was I, I never found it annoying, just distracting for you know like fifteen minutes or so. I think. Yeah, but um. Overall, very enjoyable again. Kay and I watched it together and I think she enjoyed it. Um, for my money, it was a tad too long. Mm. Um, but overall, really enjoyable. Very good. Um, you know, didn't get bored watching it, but it just, I don't know, it just seemed to go on for slightly longer than I perhaps wanted it to. But yeah, yeah did you did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, I've got to admit. Uh we picked it up on 4K Blu-ray as well. And it, as you can imagine, it looks and sounds amazing on that. Yeah. But I can imagine Tina liked Austin Butler. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Sorry, I was just burping. That's the bloody San Miguel. Oh, oh excuse me. It's the belchy beer. Here we go. Um, so a few cinema trips. And then this kind of leads me on to um, watching films with your kids and whatever. So mm. first film then. So um, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, um, which um, I think has become a bit of a sleeper hit, really, in, in as much as that. I don't know if, if people expected much from it, because I think there's been a Dungeons and Dragons film before, but I think it's probably a bit shit. Mm. Um, but um yeah, so this has got Chris Pine in it. It's quite a bit of an um, interesting cast, really, I suppose. You know, Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, Hugh Grant. Um, um, and it's, it is it is a fantasy film, but it's the, the dialogue's really funny. And I suppose it's almost like a fantasy film. Like, you know, Marvel films are, are quite like they've got action, they've got comedy, they've got a, you know, zippy dialogue and all that kind of stuff. They've got a bit of emotional heart to them. It, they're the best Marvel films I've anyway. But then this kind of feels a little bit like that, you know, uh, an, an ensemble cast. Um, Chris Pine's really good in it. I have to say he's kind of the the hero, not hero, if you know what I mean. He's He's the leader of the group so to speak but he's kind of not not really very heroic and it's everyone around him and it's just a really fun movie and um i think i said in my letterboxed uh 
interview. Uh, what am I talking about? Interview uh, review. In as much as I went, so I went to watch this with Lucy, and um, that's the thing about because Lucy's coming up to eleven. She's eleven in June, and Sophie's seven, uh, six. She's seven in October. So generally speaking, we will watch films together, but they. You know, you have to sort of like try and find a nice balance that they're both going to enjoy, which tends to be yeah. a lot of anima- animated films and whatever. Um, but I- I'd like I'm at that point where I'd like to watch a bit a bit more grown up stuff with Lucy on her own, as opposed to, you know, kind of, you know, I suppose toning it down for her. So we went to the cinema to watch this and it was a really lovely experience. It was really good. She loved it and I loved it as well. And it, I suppose in reality, it's a, it's a, for me, it was a, you know, a four star film. It's not, mm. it's not an all time classic or anything like that, but because she enjoyed it so much. And at one point I got a bit emotional watching it as I do with watching films and stuff. And I, I was crying a little bit and she kind of like turned to me and said, are you crying dad? And I was like, yeah. And she just kind of laughed at me, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was that kind of experience of going to the cinema. And um, I remember going to the cinema with my mom to watch return of the Jedi and uh, Indiana Jones and the temple of doom and ET and things like that, you know? And so, and if I can remember that from films that are, you know, 40 years old or so, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, she will hopefully in her later life fondly look back at these times where, you know, she'll go, oh, do you remember that time we watched Dungeons and Dragons and you started crying like a twat? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but then that, that that kind of leads me on to, so then we've been, I've been experimenting a little bit, which watching films, um uh, they're a little bit older, I suppose, but <clears throat> that she would uh, hopefully you know one mistake that we probably made was but we, we did watch a film to, with all of us together. And now I hadn't seen it for for a very long time, but we watched Arachnophobia um, <laughs> with, with, with all of us. Now and that's actually a really good film, better is, than I yeah. ima- imagined or, or remembered it being. So, but um, yeah, it hasn't. <laughs> helped with their fear of spiders isn't that the one where that massive one appears from the back of the chair and like the legs come over him is that always that eight-legged freaks i think that's eight-legged freaks Ah, but this has got quite a few jump scares and it's quite funny as well because watching sophie again which reminds me six absolutely shitting herself when these spiders (laughs) jump out the, the you know at people um and there's one bit i mean you can tell that it's a um a, a, a made up head it's it's makeup it's not a real person yeah but they're they're kind of it's all set up that they're sitting there they're eating the popcorn and obviously the, the, the spider goes in the popcorn or you know you know you don't have to be a genius to figure out what's going to happen and then the next scene is that they're just lying there and again it's these kind of fake heads but the spider comes out of the mouth <laughs> it's like fuck me <laughs> oh, okay. oh no uh, but and then the whole final scene where uh, jeff daniels is in the basement and he's fighting this spider and everything and it's she she was crying and and going i don't like you anymore which yeah, it was quite funny <laughs> but um anyway so now i'm sorry, stop crying um but no so and then so we watched uh lucy and i watched jaws together because oh, wow. you know, what's, what's the ultimate sort of film that you know that, that's a classic that um it's almost like a horror film isn't it really jaws um, yeah, yeah and um really enjoyed watching that with her but because you know what's coming and it's almost like you're it's a classic film so you can watch it as you know over and over can't you but 
watching it through them is almost mm. like watching it as a new experience. Yeah. And, and because I know what's coming and particularly the scene with um, where Richard Dreyfus goes under the, the, the boat and the hull of the boat <laughs> and then the head pops yeah. out and you fuck me that scared the shit out of her but then it scared the shit out of me when i was a kid oh, you know and um and, and but i think generally speaking she enjoyed it uh, um i think this bit that scared her the most where i remember it scaring me the most when i was aside from that one particular scene was when quint gets eaten at the end because that's quite graphic yeah you know he gets bitten in half and you know blood spewing from his mouth um but no that that was really good we watched batman begins together um which was quite dark but I, you know i think she generally enjoyed it because um so we're looking forward to watching the dark knight and then obviously dark knight rises um but the, the trilogy of films that we've watched over the last week or two was the guardians of the, of the galaxy films ah, um okay because I, I wanted to go to the cinema to watch the new one so and i, I think it's fairly well documented for people that listen to the show that I have pretty much fallen out of love with Marvel. I know you did a long time ago, but, um, you know, the, the latest films like Ant-Man, um, was it the Marvel? I don't know what the fuck they're called now anyway. And some of the new, um, I think the last Thor film was shite. Um, you know, so I generally haven't bothered watching them. Black Panther. I didn't bother watching that. A sequel to that one. Mm. Um, so, but the Guardians of the Galaxy films, I, I enjoy, I, I think because of the director, James Gunn, um, when the first one came out, it was a bit different because of the, again, the ensemble cast, because of the, um, the dialogue, uh, because they're quite funny. There's a bit of, there's quite a lot of action. There's, you know, there's, uh, the sort of emotional tie, all the different characters, but and it, I think with, with again with an ensemble cast like that, because there are quite a few characters, it would be quite easy for them to get lost. You know, some of them take prominence, and some of them kind of get left in the background. But I have to say that they generally all stand out. You know, they they're all individual characters. They all got their place in the film. They're all really good. Even the CG characters like Rocket and Groot and whatever. You know, and Groot just says, "I am Groot." Whatever. Do you know what I mean? But they're all kind of characters. They're all part of the film. Um, and so we watched Guardians of the Galaxy. Still enjoy that. Watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I didn't enjoy particularly at the time when it first came out. But what, re-watching it, I enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a bit more. It's got stupid, shitty CG. Not not that it's bad particularly, but it, uh, it's, a, it's a criticism of all of these films in, in as much as the end always just ends, it ends up in a, a you know, a CG spunk fest yeah, doesn't it you know yeah. it just it just just throwing loads of shit at the screen and and whatever and but and it's got a kurt russell in it which i like so um that's a plus point but yeah i i enjoyed it i like chris pratt um i think he plays the same character in every film that he's in pretty much <laughs> um but you know that's not a bad thing particularly he's quite a likable guy as, as it comes across on screen um but yeah so guardians of the galaxy 3 it's the final one. Uh, James Gunn, I think, famously got kicked off. He got uh, kind of cancelled, didn't he? You know, yeah, because they, yeah. they unearthed some tweet that he wrote, you know, years <laughs> ago, which I fucking hate all that shit, but it's still whatever. So, but then, I mean, look at him now, you know, again, that's the sort of story, isn't it? That he's the head of DC, for God's sakes. Yeah. Uh, even though, and he got kicked off making this film, but then he's finally, you know, he got uh, reinstated because I think 
the cast put they, they there was quite a lot of solidarity they, they was, stood yeah. by him you know and said look if you're not going to let him direct it then we're not doing it um and uh yeah it's it does feel overly long i mean i have to say i'm not gonna lie it's about two and a half hours um but it was funny it was engaging it was emotional um i took lucy to the cinema to watch it and she enjoyed it i think she she said she enjoys the second one the most out of all of them um this story focuses more on Rocket and his origin and where he comes from. It's very dark in places, I have to say, you know, because it's about he he was experimented on. He was a raccoon and then mm-hmm. he got experimented on. It's like his backstory and all that sort of stuff. The bad guy in it is uh, quite effective. He's, you know, quite chilling. Um, the actor that plays him, I'll have to find out in a second. He's, he's very good. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm going to butcher it but i'm gonna go for it anyway go on chuck woody iwuji um <laughs> chuck woody uh, sorry um but anyway it's got sly in it so you're gonna watch it at some point i've got no to i've got to because sly's in it even if he's only you know 30 seconds i've got i've just got to watch it now yeah so he's in it for a little bit he has a bit of a cameo and uh it is a good send-off for the series um i did enjoy it well the one thing about the guardians films out of all of the marvel films i think is the use of music in certain scenes is superb um i mean guardians 2 has got an amazing opening uh, mr blue sky is playing by mm. elo and then the um this one's got some good music in it as well um and it's cool it's really good it's um yeah, so, I mean, all of them, I gave them all four stars because I enjoyed all of them. You know, like I said, they're not kind yeah. of amazing, but they are entertaining movies. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing at the moment. We're watching films together. So nice. I suppose any recommendations where you think, um, you know, it's a bit more grown. I'm, I'm, t- I'm toying with the idea of Aliens because I watched Aliens when I was quite young and it's a little bit scary, but it's got a bit, but it has got a bit more swearing. That's the one thing I suppose that I haven't really done because the films I've mentioned, well, she knows swear words, but she doesn't say them. Yeah. But it it's not kind of in your face. Do you know what I mean? But saying that though, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had an F word in it. I think it's the first Marvel film that's to, to feature an F word, the ah, F word. Okay. I don't know why I'm saying that, the F word, because like, fuck, I can just say it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but it's the first Marvel film to, to, for somebody to say fuck. Um, so, and she has heard them, you know, because it's, it's, with a 12A, it's kind of, made, it, you know, it's going to come in, doesn't it? It happens. I yeah. think the last Bond film had a, a, a somebody said fuck in it. So it's, it, it happens. But I think there's probably a bit more swearing in Aliens than, than you know, it's a bit more constant. But I don't know. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, but then she'd have to watch Alien. And I think Alien's probably a bit too grown up for her, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but then saying that, I think I probably watched Aliens before I watched Alien. So anyway, um, so yeah, any recommendations, I suppose, that I could sit down and watch with um, Lucy. And mm. um, I, it's good. I like, I'm enjoying that. I, I enjoy that sort of, and I, you know, I suppose you've done it with your kids as well, haven't you? You know. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, gone to the cinema. I mean, when they were, God, I think I started taking them to the cinema. I took my daughter because she's the oldest one. I think she was like about three and a half, four, was it? No, maybe a little bit more than that. Young though, young, and they've they've always, you know, they're the same as me. They love movies, and yeah, recently I'm trying to think the last one. 
I went to the cinema with my son and he's, well, he's 23 now. And we watched, it was, oh, it's it Sonic 2. Oh, yeah, we were taking it to the cinema to watch yeah, that. Yeah, 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 and watched that and we had a great time. Yeah, you know, love going to it. You know, I remember, like you said, you know, I remember my dad taking me to the cinema all the time, loads and loads of times. And, you know, you mentioned Jaws, and I've said on the show quite a few times, you know, he took me two nights running, and that's, you know, that is the movie that really turned me into a cinephile. I was, like, hooked then. He'd take me to the cinema before, but that was it then. I was just hooked on movies. Um, so yeah, it's a great experience going to going to the cinema with your kids and watching movies with them. And and like you said, you know, I've got loads of memories of sitting with my dad and you know you said with with you and Lucy and Sophie and hopefully me with my kids. They'll grow up. And, oh yeah, I remember watching that with my dad and that was really cool. You know, and whenever they watch that film going forward, it'll you know just jog a few memories, which is always nice. So yeah, it's a good thing to do. I think it's a really good thing to do. Yeah, and just suppose just to finish off, just I suppose on the, the Chris Pratt thing because he's everywhere, isn't he? But we watched uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which Ooh, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed. You know, it's um, it's got a lot of content in there. Obviously, you know, lots of references to the games. Um, but no, it was it was it was. I can't say I'm desperate to watch it again, particularly. Um, and looking at my review, I think I gave it three and a half stars. So maybe probably a bit too much. But hmm. um, Lucy hated it but Sophie loved it, which is odd. <laughs> uh, um, but I, they're not massive Nintendo fans, I have to say, yeah. but I don't know. So, you know, it's um, by Illumination, the people that do the Minions movies and the Disney Ah, movies. okay, so, yeah. So it, it does look the part and it looks cool. And um, But then Jack Black plays Bowser. And I think, I, again, I'll put this in my letterbox review, is that there's, he, set, he sings a song in it because he's kind of pines after peaches uh princess peach the um you know one of the characters and he sings a song now jack black when jack black sings you think tenacious d i do anyway mm-hmm. and I, I you know there's a few tenacious d songs that you know i know um uh the greatest song in the world wherever or the tribute that's what it's called isn't it and then but there's a song and it's fuck her gently and when he's singing this song <laughs> in a kid's film and i'm thinking he's just gonna start singing fuck her gently <laughs> bowser I know. bowser singing that that'd be like a good little extra in the in the next mario game the X-rated version. The X-rated that if you get into, you know, you get into whatever castle and the secret area, and you get Bowser singing "Fucker Gently," that'd be yeah. that'd be a good little Easter egg. To he find. just he wants to kidnap Peach, a Princess Peach, because he just wants to shag her. That's it. That's all he wants. So. Uh, but no, it was it was okay. It was uh, you know entertaining. So, hmm. but there you go. That's kind of it for me. I think that's. Um, that's but yeah just going back to guardians of the galaxy i mean james gunn he's had an interesting career hasn't he i mean like looking at trauma isn't it going back to his trauma days mad yeah and he then generally has i think he has in all of the guardians films um you've interviewed him uh trauma mr trauma what's his name yeah lloyd kaufman lloyd kaufman in the flesh even yeah he's a really nice guy yeah he there's you know he does has cameos and stuff like that you know and so and uh you know uh I remember watching Slither in the cinema. That's another uh, film which I haven't mm. seen for a while, but I remember watching it at the cinema and enjoying it. It was quite a funny film. And um, and then, but that you look at some of his early stuff, like um, Slither, 
he did a series like it's quite funny again if you search it out called PG Porn, which was quite funny. Nathan Fillion <laughs> features in a lot of his stuff, his early stuff as well. Um, a film, a weird film called Super. Um, yes, which is very very yeah. strange. Um, but then he directed movie 43 which i've never seen but i've just heard is one of the worst films ever have you watched that yes <laughs> is it bad yes <laughs> oh okay um and then he's you know after that they trusted him to make guardians of the galaxy and um it's still some some ways a bit like sam raimi you know a yeah, really yeah. interesting filmmaker made some interesting films but no no massive hits as such and then went on and did spider-man and yeah. just you know sort of that became known for that um but yeah so interesting to see what he does with dc because dc's in a weird place at the moment with uh their films although i have to say i don't generally get excited about superhero films as such anymore i don't know if it's an age thing or if it's just because i'm it's you know saturated with them yeah but the new flash film i am excited to watch that because of michael keaton uh reprising his role as batman <laughs> now you see because I watched the trailer for that, because I know I'm not going to watch it. So I've seen Michael Keaton. Because like you, that's all I wanted to see. Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah. And you see it in the trailer. So I've seen that and I'm happy now. So I don't need to watch the film because that's all I wanted to see. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Ah. And also, I just sorry, I keep that out. And, and, you know, just one more thing. Um, like Columbo, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but... You know, there's similarities to one of the director that we'll talk about later on in one of the Double Dip films, in as much as that lots of, I suppose, geeky references. Because uh, th that's the thing about the Guardians films is that, you know, um, there's references, like pop culture references um, to David, Hass David Hasselhoff. Um, yeah, yeah. Foot Footloose. Uh, I can't remember the reference to something in the, the new film, you know, and... Uh, clearly a love of um you know superhero stuff and it's got but it's gone one way with one director and it seems to have gone the other way with another director yeah. but so um but anyway yeah there you go that's my stuff nice well i've got i've got two films left that i want to recommend but just just as something a little bit different uh before i get into those two i'm gonna tell you a film to avoid right oh. Before, we don't generally do this, do we? We don't generally, but I think I need to give out a public health warning because oh, it made me ill. I did put in my letterbox review something like I I did vomit a little bit into my mouth when I watched oh. this towards the end. Um, it's called On a Wing and a Prayer. And, it's, and the reason I watched um. it, it's got Dennis Quaid and Heather Graham in it. And I thought, oh, I don't really like Dennis Quaid. I haven't seen Heather Graham in anything for a while. I watched this and I got the gist. Okay, so it's something to do with a plane and, you know, there's, there's going to be some, you know, not disaster, but something bad's going to happen in the air. And I love films like that. I love, like, people in the plane and shit goes down, you know, and somebody's going to take over the plane or whatever, hijacks goes on. or I don't know, there's something about that, that sort of genre of film that really interests me. So it begins with Dennis Quaid and he's a family man and he's in this uh, light aircraft and he's having a flying lesson and the instructor says, right, you've got to land it now. And he's sweating and he, oh, oh, and he can't land it. And the instructor has to take the controls and it goes back up into the air. And Dennis Quaid's going, no, I can't do it. That's it. No, I can't do it. You know exactly what's going to happen in the film. You know, okay, so him, maybe him and his family are going to be in a plane 
something's going to happen to the pilot or pilots, and he's going to have to take control. You know, you know already from the beginning that's going to happen, and it does. He goes up in a little light aircraft with his wife and his two. See, I've already forgotten two or three daughters, and uh, the pilot has a heart attack and dies, and he has to take control of it. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny I should say, actually, oh, my God, because this is a mixture of... You've heard of Hallmark films, haven't you? They usually do a lot of yeah, Christmas. Schmul- yeah, schmaltz schmaltz Right, well, mate, here you go. This, you will be choking on, on schmaltz. The last 30 minutes of this, I have never experienced as much schmaltz. Bleh, I can't even say the fucking word. In, in, my, in my life... Um, and it's really, I don't, I'm not sure that I haven't read too much on it because I've got no interest in it. I just wanted to put people off watching it. Um, it, there's a lot of religion. It pushes religion a lot into it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is why it's called on a wing and a prayer. Like, you know, the clue might be in the title. Um, so, you know, they're always going, oh, by the grace of God, I'm going to do this. We've got a prayer. I'm going to help with all of this. It gets so sickly sweet. The, the, honestly, mate, the last thirty minutes—it was annoying me because it got just so, just so. Bleh, oh no! The, are they actually saying that? Are they? Are they doing that? Of course, he lands the plane. You know, he's he's being talked down, and oh, and a thunderstorm appears, and it's got to fly through it, and yeah, and he lands it down. It oh. <laughs> I don't know what to say because I was getting so worked up watching it and going, this is just so sickly sweet. It really is making me want to vomit into my own mouth. I was so let down by it with like Dennis Quaid, who I really love him. And then, oh, it's a film and it's a disaster in the air. Oh my God, this is so shit. Don't get drawn into it like I did, is all Mm. I'm saying. Unless you really like schmaltz and religion if you're into those two things big time by all means fill your boots and go watch it if you're not avoid it like the plague mm. yeah just to, going back to dennis quaid um so he was in a film i haven't seen it but it's a remake of an, a film called fly to the phoenix um just mm. talking about play, plain films or whatever but so uh, is heather graham does she play his wife his wife yeah Right. Okay. So that's the first thing I, I thought of because like, Dennis Quaid's got to be getting on a bit. So Dennis Quaid is um, sixty nine years old, and Heather Graham's fifty three, and so that's the kind of that. Yeah, I know that you know. Look, there's a bit of an age difference between myself and Kate. It's like seven years, but that was the first thing. Do they look? I mean, yeah, he looks all right for his age. I he think does look he? all right for his did age. Did that stand right? out at all? Or? Um... Because he was made with Meg Ryan for years, mm. wasn't he? Yeah, actually, no, he doesn't really stand out. It's not one of those where you think, oh, he could be a dad. That's a bit creepy. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. I just wasn't sure. but I mean, uh, I guess, you know, biologically, he could be. But as far as the age difference goes, but no, it, that's not the standout thing. The standout thing is just how... It's cack. How shit is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just wanted to warn people, because don't, don't be as let down as I was by it. So, yeah, trust me on that one. Two, two... To finish off, that um, I do recommend. Uh, we're going into the world of video games, mate, and Ooh. and Nintendo. We mentioned Nintendo as well. Tetris. I watched Tetris, which is again on Apple TV Plus. So there's mm. another film for you when you do get it. Uh, Not a film you would uh, think would lend itself to yeah, a big exactly a, a film or yeah. whatever, would you? Not a film that you think would translate 
into a a tense political thriller. Would you Tetris that? No. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, how much of it is true? I know quite a bit of it is true because I know some of the history of Tetris and I've watched some documentaries to do with Tetris and so on. But the story of how it came out of Russia and then came to dominate the world with uh, the release of the Game Boy by Nintendo is is really interesting, entertaining. And like I said, it is, it's a tense political thriller, which is not what I was expecting at all. Uh, but it grabbed me and kept me interested all the way through its uh, two-hour running time. Taron Edgerton is in it, and he's sort of the guy who discovers, for want of a better word, uh, that Tetris is around and the rights of it are up for sale. And it's all to do with backstabbing, double dealing, you know, deals gone wrong, um, lots of money being exchanged, lots of money that should have been exchanged that wasn't. That wasn't. Russian agents following people, uh, threats being made on people's lives, people making millions, losing millions. It's it's really good. And like I said, not what I was expecting whatsoever. I can see you being disappointed if you go into it thinking... Well, I don't know. I didn't even think what it would be. It's like, how the fuck do you make a film about Tetris apart from this falling blocks coming down at some stage? Is it going to be... <laughs> what was that film? Was it Pixels? Was that from oh, a few yes. years ago? Yeah. Something along the lines of yeah, that, which yeah. was a you know was a letdown, I thought. That Adam Sandler. Yeah, and there was thing, yeah. wasn't there like 3D blocks coming down from the sky in that at some point? And I thought, surely that's not going to happen in this. And then it starts and you're thinking... Oh, this is a bit different. This is a bit different. And it's really engrossing, though. And you follow, and you're thinking, oh, is that going to happen? And oh no, he's going to be down on it. Um, like I say, if you go into it in the wrong state of mind, you may be a little bit bored because it's it's a political thriller. And if you're not into them, you're not really going to like this. Uh, it could have been about anything. I mean, I was interested. It was the, the word Tetris and the game tetris that drew me into it i wanted to watch it because of that but i think if it was called anything else and the core mechanics of it were the same where instead of the game tetris was at the center of it it could have been a game it could have been anything it could have i don't know i don't know a band an album something something that needed to be bought for the world to you know to be sold to the world the way it's framed would have still interested me because the characters in it and and the situations that they find themselves in so, yeah, as long as you go into it not expecting, like I say, blocks falling from the air, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Very, I, very I, different. I, I'd be surprised if anybody went into it thinking, oh, I want to watch blocks falling well, from for two the hours. Air. It, it, you know, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, it's that's cool because I, you know, I played Tetris, I had a Game Boy and, as a kid. And just, mm. th- you know, I, I haven't watched this, but it's another one to get for Apple. But um, yeah. You know, I am intrigued by it. I like Taron Edgerton. I think he's a good yeah, actor. Yeah, I like him too. I do. I think after watching him in, um, uh, oh God, the biopic of um, Elton John. Uh, oh, Rocket yeah. Man. Yeah, that was good. I like that. That was one. very good. And I like him in the uh, Kingsman films as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to finish off with a film that stars, well, he's not the star, really. He's not the headliner in it. It's got um, Paul Dano in it as a character called Hank. And Daniel Radcliffe, Mr. Harry Potter, as he mm. will forever be known, 
uh, as a character called Manny, and it's a film late to the party with this one because it's from 2016. Swiss Army Man. I'd never even heard of it. It's a film that came out seven years ago, and I'd never even heard of it. And it begins. So it begins with Hank, who is on uh, a, a deserted island, and you don't know any of his backstory or anything, how he got there, or what's happened to him. But obviously, he's had enough of life, and he's going to hang himself. And then he's there, and he's on the beach, and he's looking, and the waves are lapping, and he's just about to, you know, step off and, and end it all. And a body washes up onto the beach, and it's Manny, like I say, played by Daniel Radcliffe. And he, you know, and Hank hears a sound, and you think, oh, it's, an, you know, it's, an, it's another person at last. I've got somebody here, and, and I'm not going to hang myself. I'm going to go and talk to him. And he goes across, and he, you know, he starts talking, but he finds out that oh, Manny's dead. Um. But he's making these like weird noises, and he thinks, well, "What are these weird noises?" And it turns out that he's actually farting. Right, he's dead, and you know, <laughs> gas is coming out of his ass. <laughs> and it begin. I mean, this hooked me from the beginning, right? And I'm mm. sure it will you, because then to escape from this island, um, <laughs> because Manny farts so often and so powerfully that Hank rides him like like a jet ski. Um, so he's sat on him, sat on his back, and Manny is farting so hard and so powerfully that he powers them off the island just by fart power, which is, I thought, mm. right, I'm in. This, this mate has got more farts in it than any movie I've ever seen. And if that doesn't sell it to you, I don't know what does. Uh, and then so he begins, so he... He's making it so he escapes from this island. He doesn't know where he is, and he's making his way through this jungle, and he's carrying Manny now, who is still farting all the way through it. And it's their journey together as um, Hank is just trying to escape and find somebody who's alive. But then Manny sort of comes to life and can then talk to him as well. It's really, really fucking weird. As in, it like, says a bit bizarre. It is, it is really bizarre. I found <laughs> found it hilarious. I got well into it. The director, it's so to give you like a, an idea of like the tone of stuff that it's the director did, also did everything everywhere all at once that sweeped up at the Oscars quite recently. As oh well. right, okay, no so way. It's by, which by him. Which, funnily enough, I wasn't really into that film. Yeah, that's. I I think I said it's a Marmite film. Yeah, it's because uh, we saw that in the cinema. Um, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, Kay hated it. She thought it was crap. Um, and I do think that there's, it, it is a Marmite film. You either really like it or yeah. you don't. There's think, no middle ground with that. No. It's it's a bizarre film as well. Th this is the same. I think this is a Marmite one. You're either like me, going to really love it, or you're going to go, "What the fuck was that? This is too weird. I don't understand it." at all um but yeah it wasn't just the farting that, that endeared me to it uh i just love the characters in it and this always helps though doesn't it's, it you i think you can't beat a good fart in a film mate. With, with our love of bottom yeah things like you know yeah yeah any flatulence is is fine with me but in there and like i say this has got more than anything i've ever seen <laughs> at all on screen and it it never got anything less than hilarious every time he did like one rip so that would, you know, that was good. I think Daniel Radcliffe is really good in it as well. Uh, sometimes I can find him a little bit annoying, but in this, yeah, yeah, he 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 didn't annoy me at all in this. Um, obviously, he was quite, you know, he he wasn't as animated as he can be. 
because he was playing somebody who was, you know, essentially dead. So he's, you know, he's very slow, very stilted. But the situations they find themselves in and what happens just gets more and more bizarre as it goes on. And if you lock yourself into the tone of it and everything and go along for the ride, I think you'll have a good ride. Uh, but yeah, be warned if you if you if it begins and you you know you're 15 minutes into it, I think you'll get a good flavour of whether you'll stick with it or not. But I really loved it. You know, it's one I'll definitely watch again. You know, and I'll I'll buy it because I forget what we watched it on. I can't remember what we watched it on, but it's one I'll pick up on. Um, I haven't even looked actually if it's on Blu-ray, but I will pick it up if I see it uh, cheap, say in CEX or somewhere. Mm. Mm. Talking about Daniel Radcliffe, it's a film I watched a, a while ago now. <clears throat> I don't think I talked about it on the entertainment show. It was because um, it, it, I think again it was a sleeper hit uh, last year when it came out at the cinema. Um, was uh, the Lost City with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Daniel Radcliffe? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and I thought it was a bit crap. Me too. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. I didn't think it was very good. I think he's very funny. Daniel Bradcliffe plays a bad guy in it, which I suppose, again, he's a bit against type. But uh, I don't know. I just got vibes of um, Romancing the Stone, you know, Jewel mm. in the Nile, that kind of thing, where it's she's a writer and she ends up in a situation where, you know, she's caught up in a, hostile situation you know country and situation all that kind of stuff and then you know Channing Tatum it goes out to save her except he's the he's almost like the heroine um, and she's the hero which is fine hmm. but I don't know I don't know you, you, you know with things like obviously these days with uh, you know cinema and all sorts you know political correctness and and all I'm not going to go down a deep root with this don't worry but it just feels like you know you it the object objective objectification of of women and whatever and and me too and all that kind of stuff and yet it's okay to show channing tatum's ass constantly mm-hmm. um i don't know it just bothered me and it annoyed me and i think it was just uh, i didn't find it funny i didn't find it in you know that, that's interesting and yeah, the best part about it i think was brad pitt um who was quite good in it as a cameo but yeah, I, just going back to, you know, linking it to Daniel Radcliffe anyway, that was, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the same. I, I wasn't a fan of that at all. But, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, mate, and, you know, you see it, like, give it a go, at least. Yeah. At, at, least, at least watch the first, I think it's like five minutes, and watch the farting jet ski scene. If nothing else, it's worth watching for that. Well, that's that's a recommendation. That's got to be on the poster, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> see Daniel, see Harry Potter as a fart in jet ski. I mean, they do that though. Sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, if you're in a really popular film or franchise, and it's almost as like you're doing every, anything you can to get away from it. Well, that's that's one way to do it, isn't it's it? It's one so? way to do it. If only that was a spell that Harry Potter did. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it a different film. Fartioso blastioso. Oh, <laughs> and then that would have been it. Nice one. <laughs> right. Well, what we can do is um, you can have a pee break if you want one, mate. <gasps> Thank you. I, could I don't, I'm actually not that bad, but I can. I don't know if you can. I'm shuffling in my chair yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It was just, yeah, the odd drip coming out. And then you're thinking, mm, should I leave it any longer? Um, I mean, I've got four bottles that I could piddle into, but it could be messy. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to pinch it off. Yeah, you don't, don't want to do, do that. So, uh, yeah. not at my age. Not, not you know, 
getting close to 50. I don't, wanna, yeah. don't think I could do it, to be honest with you, anymore. So we'll, we'll leave people with the first trailer, and I will warn people that it's got a lot of... Uh, it's got a lot of really weird dubbing in it that I'm sure we'll talk about. And it's got a lot of, there's a lot of sound effects. So prepare your ears for a lot I'm of. I'm not going to miss it, am I? No, I'll do it when you come back. I mean. Oh, that's all right then. Because I, yeah, I haven't watched the trailer. Just for the sake of the edit, because I'm a lazy twat when it comes to editing. Um, yeah, it will be seamless when it gets into their ears. Who, will, who would ever know if you went for a pee, apart from me saying he's going for a pee. So uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Pin back your ears. Here's the trailer for the first film. And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. Coach at our school. My grandfather forbids me to fight. Go teach our kung fu. Go and get yourself a proper job. Oh, my God! Old man, you're finished. I'm useless. No chances for revenge. This technique will be joy, sorrow, down, up, real, imaginary. This bowl I collect my income in. If anything happens to it, you've had it. Grandfather, where are you going? I can't take it. I'm going to the toilet. That's so fortuitous that he should go to the toilet as well, mate, after you've just been. Grandfather, I can't take it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you should have said to me. I'm going to the toilet. <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing don't you think it'd be amazing to be a, like a some dubbing a film like how i mean it probably isn't isn't it you know probably don't get paid a lot of money or you know you, you, you're in a sweat box or whatever but how amazing would it be to to dub a film that'd be so much fun you could fuck about so much couldn't you it sounded like loads of people did fuck about when they were when they were dubbing this mate but tell people what it is and all of that because I'm, I'm sure that we've got to uh Chew the fat a little bit over the dubbing. Oh God, yeah. So this is uh this is welcome to our double dip segment, which is where uh we each pick a film that we haven't seen before, so we can go over it and and talk about whether we enjoyed it or not. And so this was your pick, and it mm. is called The Fearless Hyena from 1979, starring Jackie Chan and directed and written by jackie chan as well which is quite a feat you know because he's quite a young guy at that age but uh so 
The synopsis from IMDb is a young man whose sickly grandfather has taught him a secret form of Kung Fu starts to make a living off his unique fighting style only to attract the attention of his grandfather's mortal enemy. Uh, It currently has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb uh, and that's got uh, 5,100 reviews or ratings. Oh, excuse me. Um, And... um, yeah, it's an early Jackie Chan film. I mean, there are possibly people in it that, uh, you know, if I mention them, they, they would mean something to put Jackie Chan's the man, isn't mm. he, really? Um, so, yeah. I would, I just I put... would, I would uh, request something, though, mate, before you go any further, because you've got the IMDb page open, yeah? Yes. Could you let the listeners know what the original title is, please? <laughs> I'll go. I'll give it a go. Right here we go. So uh, this is the original title is Zhao Guan Guai Zhao. Awesome. Did right with that. I think perfect. Uh, the, the poster I've just put. So if you go to IMDb, if you look at the poster of this this film, <laughs> it looks absolutely. It, it does look like a carry on film. It is carry on martial arts. It's mad because uh, I've never seen this picture up up until this point where I just clicked on it, and it is absolutely mental. It does look like a carry on film. I would say um, as well one of, one of the benefits because I recently upgraded. Um, what say recently about three or four months ago? Upgraded my letterbox to Patreon level because I use it a lot. I thought yeah. I'm, I'm going to support them. One of the things that you can do is you can change the posters for whatever film you watch. This is this is one of the posters that you can pick from to put on your letterbox when you've watched it. Yeah. And um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I've never seen this before. I mean, Jackie Chan is a legend, really, isn't he? I mean, uh, hmm. you, you think of martial arts, you think of, I suppose, people originally, you know, the first thought is maybe Bruce Lee, perhaps. Um, but then Jackie Chan can't be far behind, can he? So, I mean, some of the stuff that he's done in his early years is just incredible. So I, I grew up watching Jackie Chan films. Um, he's not not necessarily this, because I've never seen this before, but, you know, his early stuff, um, um, Police Story, yeah. um, meals uh, wheels on meals um the oh god i'm just scrolling through them now um armor of god you know the project a all, all the stuff that he's done uh twinkle twinkle lucky stars you know i think again he had that kind of collaboration didn't he with uh yombu and uh samo hung and whenever I, where they were in films together you knew you were in for some amazing martial arts mm-hmm. some incredible acrobatics and just you know a, a there was a comedic elements to Jackie Chan films that wasn't really in Bruce Lee movies when I was growing up so you know Enter the Dragon was and one of my favorite films growing up it was and that's possibly one on my list uh to watch with Lucy yeah um apart from maybe when his sister ki- kills herself um but you know I'll, co- <laughs> I'll cover her eyes um <laughs> but you know so and then he uh, whether he tried to break into Hollywood or he had a few attempts didn't he to sort of like make you know make a, a more mainstream movie yeah. I think um funnily enough going back to the uh, spotlight reflection f- shows uh cannibal run was a film that he did you know it's one oh, of his of course er- yeah yeah one of his early attempts yeah. to i suppose b- become more of a, a mainstream you know um actor in uh 
uh, you know, the in America or whatever. And so, um, you know, it, and then I think Rochera was probably the film that kicks it all yeah. off for him. And then the Rochera series, and then he, you know, he became sort of, I suppose, more well. And then he did Shanghai uh, Noon and um, oh, those other films and whatever. So, um, and my kids actually really enjoy. Um, Oh god, the spy next door, which I've only ever seen bits of, and I think mm. there are. So, I don't watch every Jackie Chan film. Don't get me wrong. There, you know, I, I like his films, but that there are some films that I won't watch. The, the one that we did talk talk about a few years ago it was one of our double dip picks. Then I think it was was um, Martin Campbell directed it. Uh, the Forest. Yes, yeah, of course, and that was pretty good from what I remember back in 2017. Because it's mm. like it's old Jackie Chan, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, you know, he's not um, a spring chicken anymore. I think you notice that with. Uh, when he did Rush Hour, that you could tell it was a stunt double doing his stuff, which hmm. in his early stuff, and that that was the thing about watching his early things on VHS was you get a kick-ass film, but then you get all of the outtakes at the end where he's just <laughs> smashing yeah. himself up and he's yeah. killing, killing himself, doing these stunt scenes. And, you know, that was that was the, th- the thing. And I think g- going back to it was um, what, what uh, lended to him was was uh, uh Jonathan Ross did a series on Channel Four called I think it's called the Incredibly Strange Film Show, and he yeah. uh, he interviewed Jackie Chan and he did one with George Romero, um and then John Waters and it's like a series of films where uh, oh, oh sorry TV shows you probably get them on on YouTube now where he's talking to and he's visiting these places and he's talking to the, the you know the actors the filmmakers or whatever and. And because it, it was like kind of late night Channel 4, almost Friday night, you know, after 10 o'clock, um, that you got to see an insight into these people as well, which was cool. So, yeah, I, I've liked Jackie Chan for a very long time. So, but I've never seen this film. So, um, yeah, what what did you think of it? Yeah, it's funny. The films that you mentioned of his that you watched growing up with the same that I watched, you know, I've watched quite a few Jackie Chan films but i'm not by nowhere near like a huge massive fan who watches everything uh knows a lot about him so i thought you know what i haven't seen a jackie chan film in, in quite a while let's go back let's pick this it was the first one that he directed um and it's it was the first of three as well as <laughs> the fearless hyena two and three as well um so thought, yeah yeah let's let's give this a go and, and see what it's about and oh okay let's start off um, well, before we get onto the dubbing, let's start off with, I was, I was amazed at how, how ripped he is. It's like, you know, he's, he's like Bruce Lee, you know, the, who is not, you know, he's not like Arnie or Sly or big, but you know, really cut and defined, you know, he's, he's quite lithe and slight. Um, but the, I think there was more muscle to him than Bruce Lee, you know, so he does a few things and I thought, I've never really seen Jackie Chan like like that. Uh, have you ever seen him in films where he's, you know, he's been in such good shape as that? Um, you know, maybe it's I've not watched enough films of his to, to realise that he was in that kind of shape when he was in his 20s. Yeah, I think because he, he has his shirt off a lot in this, yeah. doesn't he? And so I suppose in these later films, um, I mean, he's incredibly athletic. Some I think of the was... stuff he does in this is out. There's one scene, isn't there, where he's hanging by his ankles and he's slamming, it's hard to explain actually, he's slamming himself into this wooden board, but he curls himself back up on himself as he does it. It's, it's weird. 
and he does it for quite a bit in the film. Obviously, it's like he's doing sort of like uh, almost like sit ups, but vertical. Like he's hanging from yeah. his legs, isn't he? Yeah. And it's like uh, it is, and it goes on quite a while. It's you know, it is one of those scenes which is a showcase for oh, look what I can do. Yeah, and it was like but, holy shit. But he, he, I think he's always been sort of known for his like athlete um, acrobatics, yeah. and that, that's I think like Samo Samo Hung. I mean, let's be honest. He's a bit of a, a fat fucker, isn't he, really? I, mean, I suppose. <laughs> For a martial artist, you wouldn't associate him yeah. to do the things he does or the things he did in his, his yeah. younger years. I suppose Jacko, uh, Jacko, Jackie Chan and um, Yun Bu, yes, you can see them doing it. But I remember uh, there's a compilation um, video which I rented a lot. I think it's the, you can get it on YouTube now. It's called The Best of Martial Arts. I've talked about it before, where it, um, he has interviews with Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung and Yun Bu. And it, it, it's all, it's almost like a, a love letter to, um, Eastern martial arts films because it shows a lot off of his films, his early films and, and all that kind of stuff. And it talks about his, him growing up at the Peking Opera School, um, and how, and then that's the thing about this film, which I think it kind of made me think about that was that the training he did at that, the, the Peking Opera School sounded like torture. It was brutal what mm -hmm. they all went through, but it made them such amazing acrobats and it made them do the things that they could do and things like he was talking about um, in this best of martial arts. There's, there's one thing that the teacher was saying to him, he had to hold, um, a water bottle or a, like a, not a water bottle, like a, a, a clay pot filled with water in, you know, in his mouth, like tied from a, a rope and whatever. Yeah. And then he had to hold his, his arms out stretched and do like a squat and they'd balance pots on his hands and his knees and he couldn't move. And he had to sit there and like, he had to be in that position for ages. And so that kind of, it wasn't, just a, a jolly or whatever that was something he did and mm. that was crazy you know you think i think my kids i asked them to tie their rooms and they have a fucking meltdown <laughs> <laughs> so asking as somebody at that a young age get those water to... pots out mate and, and oh, yeah start doing that the, i paddle their asses anyway <laughs> but no it so it's just so it, it, it again it goes to show that all of his hard work all the stuff he probably hated doing when he was younger it paid off because you know i'll have to have a look actually how old he was when he made this this I film think he was 20, 25 off the top of that, my head i think and he does look very young in it I yeah, he say, does. But, yeah. <clears throat> but uh you know the, all the stuff in this where he does all of that doesn't he all the stuff i think it, it probably he was influenced by growing up all the training he had to do um but yeah sorry i interrupted no no it's fine it's because this like i said i've got no idea i mean it's 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 a revenge film you know, there's no big surprise with the storyline. It's him going out for revenge and fighting a lot of people, and there's a lot of fighting in it. And I think the beginning of it, I'd say about the first 15, 20 minutes, I wasn't really that into it, and I'm sure it had got a lot to do with recently, I'd say just a few days before I watched this, um, or not too long before I watched this, I watched, oh, The Magic Crystal um, for doing the Decade of Decadence show with Tom. It was his pick. And that's a movie from the 80s with Cynthia Rothrock in, which is, you know, 
mad as a box of whatever you want to fill the box with. It's absolutely bonkers film. And the fighting in it is really well choreographed, but it had got stuff in it that was like, fuck me, that hurt. That You know, there was some really good impact fight into it. Whereas when this came on and the fighting started, again, really well choreographed, but it didn't have those, those impact bits, somebody being thrown onto a table backwards and, you know, really kicked around the chops. It was, it almost seemed over choreographed to me to begin with, but I'm sure that was coming off the back of seeing the magic crystal not too long before. But then as mm. the film went on, I got more into it. And one of the mm. reasons for that was because even though it did, because some of the fight scenes are, are quiet, quite long, some may say but a little bit too long, inevitably in one part of the fight, Jackie Chan would do something where you'd go, holy shit, <laughs> he does some outrageous things. Uh, you know, you mentioned then with him, you know, the training that he did with the water pot and everything. There's the scene in this where he has to, it's all this quick fire stuff with another guy and there's all these um, like jars, you know, these these clay jars, pots everywhere, and they're flinging them around and with with um, plates and this, that, and the other, and he's standing on them and he's balancing them and it's all this, this, this. And while it is, okay, that must have taken ages to choreograph and they must have done, I don't know, how many takes to get it right. It does look really fucking impressive as, as you're watching it. So I think my only criticism really would be Maybe some scenes are a little bit too over-choreographed, but they're still impressive because of what he does and what he brings to it. Uh, with that sense of humour, like you said, I mean, that goes all the way through it, his sense of humour in it, and it's very, you know, there's a lot of slapstick humour in it, which I'm a big fan of, so that's that's good with me. Uh, and we did, oh, we've got to get onto it with dubbing. Because you couldn't watch it with, you know, in the original language and with subtitles, Um and you can watch it with just dubbed. Yeah, and this is on Amazon Prime yeah. for anybody who wants to watch we it. Wa yeah. We watched it. I mean, normally, if it's a foreign film, we'll watch it with the original language yep. and subtitles is always the way to go. But then yep. certain films, just for comedy value, usually, and this really did lean heavily into comedy value, was we watched it just dubbed. Fucking hell, mate. I have never seen a film dubbed so hilariously. There was, I mean, Jackie Chan, and we will have to go through who we thought did what, but I thought immediately the guy who dubbed Jackie Chan, it, it reminded me of though it was from like one of the Confessions films of the 70s. It was like a character from like Confessions of a Window Cleaner, Confessions of a Taxi Driver or whatever, it was a prop. It was just like from a 70s um, softcore sex comedy. You could really picture that voice in one of them. Through to, um, there was a couple of characters actually from the Holy Grail. There was one that sounded just like one of the, the knights who say nih. I could. It wouldn't have surprised me if at one point in the film, he asked, he asked for, what is it? The, is it the largest tree in the forest to be cut down with a herring? You wouldn't have he sounded like that. The guy in it where it goes, um, one day, son, all of this will be yours. And he goes, what, the curtains? One sounded just like him. There was another one, and he was, oh, what was his, his voice? His voice was like really like that, and, oh, it was like really overly. 
I'm a big guy and I'm really tough and I might be, I don't know, am I George from Rainbow? I don't know. It was outrageous dubbing in it, which, which I found hilarious all the way through. It didn't, again, some people it might have annoy you because it's so bad but it really was for me it was a case of it's so bad it's fucking genius and that really helped with my enjoyment of the film as well as all the you know the madcap action and and all the stuff that jackie jackie chan does in it was was amazing but you watched it because you were when you watched it you were sending me whatsapp messages weren't you mate so would you would you like to explain how you watched it yeah, so the, the first thing I noticed was that Jackie Chan, so Jackie was spelt J-A-C-K-Y as opposed to his normal spelling of J-A-C-K-I-E. <laughs> but that was that was just the first thing. So maybe, again, that was like, you know, just in the, the uh, you know, when it was being made for this, uh, for the Western audiences, they perhaps just thought it was, that was it. But anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, so similarly to you, I generally watch foreign language films in their original language with subtitles so but i didn't i, I it was i think it just um started up as the english dub and then i realized how bad it was and i switched briefly to the original language and put the subtitles on and then i realized so i put the subtitles on i switched it back and i put the subtitles on with the um the the english dub and realized that they were actually it was totally different it was it's just <laughs> totally different so there there was a couple of things so there's there was one particular scene where uh i sent you a few screenshots so and and one of the the subtitles in one of them which didn't match the dialogue where mm-hmm. one of the characters going back inside and shovel that shit uh so it was <laughs> And then there was another one where Jackie's saying to a character, to somebody he's beaten up, I scooped you up like dog shit. Um, <laughs> and then he's fighting somebody else and he goes, perfect for my shit stirrer's pole. Um, and then a later scene where he's he's talking about somebody. So it all kind of like start, he, he, he gets involved with this, uh, this club um, where he has to pretend he can't show his real identity because it'll expose his, his grandfather doesn't want him to do it. So he has to pretend to be other characters. So at one point, uh, no, I, I won't say the word I was going to say, but he, he has to pretend that he's a bit special, shall we say? <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then, you know, he's got cross eyes, he's got a hat on, he looks just, you know, he looks a bit crazy or whatever. And so, and then he's dressed up as a woman. And and again, I wasn't expecting that. That was amazing. You know, it's like fair play to him, you know. And then there's, you know, other scenes where, so, but he, he's talking about this, this one guy who comes to challenge him and uh, he's having a conversation with this big guy. And, um, and apparently the, 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 the subtitles is, He's a notorious sex pest. Like what? <laughs> what, the, what? What's going on here? Um, anyway, so going back to the choreography, I think like when I first started watching it, I was similar to you. Actually, I wasn't as engaged with it as I thought I might be. I mean, Jackie Chan's got a, pre- a screen presence. That's mm. fair, fair, fair yeah, isn't yeah. it? But I think it did feel overly choreographed and. I don't know if that's because it's one of his early films, but then as the film went on, and I think it particularly when he's, he's in this school and he's being challenged by people. And it's, I think it's the first challenge where there's a guy who's got a sword 
And then it's, it's it almost felt like it was choreographed to a point where it was felt slow and like clunky, like yeah. they're going through the motions. But then after that, some of the sequences in it, they are so amazing to watch. And the, you have to think about how much practice went into choreographing these scenes yeah yeah and they are and they are a bit you know they are a bit, a bit overly long but that i think that was the style that was what they did um it was to showcase that you know all the sort of tricks and everything the flips and the kicks and whatever but it did seem to speed up and he didn't felt feel like it was sped up like the you know the mm. they didn't feel like they yeah. sped up the, the film to to, to get it moving but particularly that scene where he's fighting a guy who's got a sword it, it just it felt like holy shit some of the stuff that he's doing is amazing yeah he's really um, doing that yeah and so that was cool and then um it's bizarre i mean let's be honest with you i think he, you know then so i mean we talk about spoilers in this these these things but something happens to his grandfather then he gets taken on by his grandfather's friend who's an old guy as well who can't do all the, the the skills himself but so he teaches jackie and he teaches jackie this level this kung fu which is about emotion and that's just <laughs> mental i mean uh, you know uh, uh i think he's what is it sorrow joy yeah uh um, you know baby so he does all these things and it's it is really bizarre but it's quite funny at the same time but yeah so anyway terrible dub hilarious you know um the music at one point is crazy as well because the pink panther tune <laughs> why is at one point what's going on um so but overall i really enjoyed it and like i said i i can watch jackie chan films because hmm. he even sort of like the early bizarre jackie chan films like this i must admit there's one that i've never seen but i i hear is um probably one of his most renowned uh for his early works was uh the drunken master movie yes which... i have seen that a long time ago but i know i've watched that one so uh but that came out before this did in 1978 um so, which the, the the drunken master makes always makes me think about Virtue Fighter Two because there was a character in that <laughs> which was like uh, you know he was drunk and he drink but he sort of like his motion and movements which I'm doing to you which totally well I'm slightly drunk but you know it, it's it, uh, people can't see but it, it's sort of like all that movement and motion yeah which it's it like you're pissed but there's a purpose to it yeah you know what I mean yeah. It, you know, it leads to somebody getting hit or something. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I, I can watch Jackie Chan films. Um, this was crazy, slightly weird, bizarre, the dub, the subtitles. But as a fun experience, yeah, good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I would recommend it. I would recommend that people watch it with the English dub on it. Because that it was be it was better than Cannibal Run, believe it or not, and yeah. it, and then because um, Adam and I um, sort of rewatched Cannibal Run um, for our spotlight mm -hmm. reflection films, and and I love that film as a kid, and then actually rewatching it, it's shite, it's not good at all. <laughs> but then, so I'd say watch this rather than watching Cannibal Run, yeah, like that. This has made me want to watch number two and three in this series, I've got to admit. Yeah. But again, I'm going to be disappointed if it's not got a shit dub on it. That's yes. that's going to be the failing of it. If it's got 
either no English dub or, you know, a serious English dub on it, I'm going to be a bit pissed off. So yeah. finger, fingers crossed. I may report back the next time we report, we record, mate. And if I've watched one, I'll let you know if it's got the dub on it or not. But yeah, Excellent. I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it, definitely. Brilliant. Right. Shall we move on to uh, your double dip pick, mate? Yes, let's, let's do, do it. this. Let's do it. We did it in the 90s, son! Can't catch my breath, man. Really? Should I try mouth stuff? What is this, a Tinder date? Get off of me. Uh, oh, shit. Mr. Dante! I need an ambulance at the quick stop! Saved my life, man. Wish I had a life worth saving. What are you talking about? Sit around and watch the same movies over and over. I always thought you could have made a cool movie. You're right. I'm living on borrowed time. No more watching movies. I'm gonna make a movie! What's the movie gonna be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. Jay and Silent Bob are like C-3PO and R2-D2. They've been here since the first movie, which was the last time they were cool. But they've been with the franchise so long, they still give them cameos and put them on the lunchboxes. Snoochie boochies! Please tell Action. me why! I believe in you. Put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? No way. Now that's what I call <laughs> Take off your pants. Uh, what the hell is this? I added a scene where you get shot. I'm not letting you kill me off in the third act. What if there's a sequel? A sequel? What am I, a hack? I think it needs more weed. Well, there you go. That was the trailer for my pick, which is Clerks 3. No, actually, do you say Clerks or Clarks? I say Clerks. Clerks. Yeah. That's okay, then. Because um, Clarks is a totally different thing. That's a that's a yeah. brand of shoe. Yeah, they make shoes. shoes. <laughs> In this country. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, this was my double dip pick. And for once, I wasn't just scrambling around for any old <laughs> shit on Amazon. <laughs> I happened to see this and uh, on, on Amazon Prime. And uh, I have a history with uh, Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith films, and particularly Clerks. So I thought, wow, actually, this is a film I would like to watch as opposed to some Mel Gibson bollocks <laughs> that's, you know, uh, I'm just picking something just for the sake of picking something. Cause uh, I, I would imagine that Dave hasn't seen it and neither have I. So anyway, um, clerk three. So, Synopsis on IMDb is Dante, Elias and Jay and Silent Bob are enlisted by Randall after a heart attack to move Sorry, to make a movie about the convenience store that started it all. It's got a 6.3 out of 10 uh, on IMDb with 15,000 reviews. This has a Metacritic, so I'll read out a positive, middling and shite um, review. So let's go with one of the top ones. Here we go. Um, I don't even know what this is. 
Colander. What the fuck's that? What is that? Colander. Mm. I'm going to have to click on their website now. I've, what? Col- Colin- Colander? <laughs> okay, fine. Right, whatever. Um, let's go with. Uh, I'll read it out anyway. So this is from Ross Bonamy uh, from Collinder. Fucking Collinder. In Clerks Three, <laughs> Smith returns to where his career began and has made one of his best films in decades. A tender and compassionate look at friendships that last no matter what. A remembrance of where Smith came from and an appreciation for all those who helped him along the way. Um, that's uh, one of the. That's the top review. Mm. Middling review. Is he, did you snigger then? <laughs> no. Okay. The middle <laughs> review. So this is from Empire. Uh, ben Travis. It's comedically uneven and overly distracted by side characters. But when Clerks Three gets to the heart of Dante and Randall's decades-long friendship, it's enough to assure you that Kevin Stiff, Stiff, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith, is still open for business. Kevin Stiff. That's a that, that's a porn star that's, name. Yeah, yeah, we need porn titles of his <laughs> movies now. <laughs> Weirdly enough, he did them out that film. Zach and Miri made yeah, porn. Yeah. But still. Anyway, okay, so this is the worst one. This is from Slant, Jake Cole. Kevin Smith toys with death in Clerks 3 as a shortcut to bring emotion to a film that otherwise has no meaningful hook. So there you go. Hmm. Um, okay, so I picked this, as I mentioned, because I have... I suppose, a history and affinity with uh, Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith films. So um, Clerks came out in 1994. I think 1994 was quite a pivotal year for me in terms of the films that came out. So you got um, Pulp Fiction, um, Leon were two of the films that I remember watching at the cinema, which I really enjoyed. I didn't watch Clerks at the time, but I was 18 in 1994 and then um i think it was through a bunch of friends that introduced me to it that i watched it on dvd and then uh fell in love with it absolutely loved clerks because of the i suppose the you know the the style of it the the uh references to star wars um you know the the sort of weird shit that happens jane silent bob that's my first introduction to them mm-hmm. and then uh, went on to watch other um kevin smith films and even not imported but uh remember going to um where where i lived they had um computer shows and which were 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 places where you could go it was like it was a, a, a race course and you could buy computer parts and stuff like that but they always had a guy that sold region one dvds there oh god yeah i remember those yeah for for like you know a little bit obviously marked up more than yeah you know what they were worth and whatever um and so i remember getting the region one version of clerks and dogma and you know jane silent bob and whatever so but then so uh mall rats watch that wasn't a huge fan of that but that was my first i suppose introduction to ben affleck and whatever and then um chase and amy dogma jane silent bob strike back i mean if you think about it, at one point, you know, for that period of time, um, Jay and Silent Bob and the whole universe were huge. I remember 
when the internet was a, starting to become a thing, uh, looking at the viewer skew, which is the production company, which, you know, runs all of that sort of stuff, their website and, uh, looking at the behind the scenes stuff and watching the direct, oh, sorry, listening to the director's director's commentary of the films, um, you know, watching all the behind scenes stuff on the DVDs. Uh, and then he sort of went off and did some different films after, you know, Jane Silent Bob and all that, you know, did Jersey Girl, which I went to the cinema to watch. That was one of the first films I watched with Kay when we went, we started going oh, out wow. back in, in 2004 and I, thinking it was a bit crap. Um, and then watch Clerks 2 at the cinema with, with Kay. Um, and I think he remember reading something at the time saying that, you know, he, I don't, going back to, he, I don't think he, I don't know if he ever said that he would never make a sequel, but it was, it was almost like, you know, going back to the well, isn't it? And yeah. then uh, Zach and Miri make a porno. I remember watching that, um, not really particularly enjoying it. I've never seen Cop Out. Red State, I've watched once. I think I enjoyed it, if I remember rightly. It was a bit different. It's not your typical Kevin Smith movie. A um, little bit different. And then, uh, it, it, you know, there was animated shows. There was, I remember importing an animated clerks and giant silent bob uh dvd which i had which i never watched all of i imported the kevin smith uh stand-up shows that he did um and i, I watched one of them but I didn't, I didn't watch one of the other one after that and so it's almost like i i had a really intense period in my life where kevin smith and his films said something to me and you know i loved them and uh, I, I thought they were amazing. And then I kind of just moved on and I haven't really paid much attention to him since up until the point where, you know, I decided to watch Clerks 3. Um, so, but I know that we've had very different experiences to this film. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you go first and, and then I'll talk uh yes kevin smith then i like i like kevin smith uh as a person and i could listen to him for hours on end i find him really interesting he looks weird as well like now well like, because he's lost the weight now since can, compared to original kevin smith to now kevin smith he don't know <laughs> he just looks uh, it's not kevin smith it's like somebody wearing a kevin smith suit almost i don't know <laughs> it's like mission impossible somebody's put on a kevin smith mask but it's not quite right. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean with that. He just like because you're so used to seeing him as he was, a big guy, a big guy. Yeah, but then you know he had the was it like a heart attack? Something he had something with his heart, wasn't it? And he got rushed in, and then he's changed his life, and he's eating healthily, and he's exercising, and he's lost all the weight. But yeah, it's it's so weird, like you say when you're used to seeing him as he was for so long to as he is as he is now. But you know, if he's, you know, obviously he's healthy and happy, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, like I, said, I could listen to him for ages. I remember it was it oh, many years ago when I first started listening to podcasts, uh, and then got into the Smodcast, and it was him and the name escapes me of who we used to do the show with. I forget, but it was really it was really good and it was really funny, and I listened to that for ages. Uh, but then separately, there's Kevin Smith, the director, which for some reason I have never been able to get into at all. I remember the first time that I watched um, Clerks was um, it's probably 
late 94, early 95, still in with a group of us that would meet every weekend and we'd be, you know, making films, uh, totally zero budget films. Uh, and then we'd, we'd end the day and we'd, we'd watch, uh, well, um, Steve, the director at the time, he'd got a laser disc player, as did I. So we'd, we'd all gather around, you know, the TV and watch a laser disc. So the first time I watched Clerks was on laser disc with a gang of us. Uh, and Steve were going, oh, yes, there's this director, Kevin Smith, and there's this film's come out, it's getting great reviews. And I watched it, and I thought it was awful. I thought, what is everybody going on about? I just, I don't get it. It didn't click with me. And then Malrats came out, and I thought, no, no, it's, it's doing nothing for me. Then Chasing Amy came out, and I loved it. I was like, okay, now this is one that I can really get into. I really enjoyed Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is the only Kevin Smith film that I like. And I've watched more or less all of them. Um, actually, I'm just going through them now. You know, I've even seen Clerks 2 and now 3, obviously. Um, seen Dogma, seen the Jane Silent Bob ones, Jersey Girl. I've even watched Cop Out. Yeah, I think I've seen Tusk, I've seen. Uh, yeah, I've seen them all. Just just because to see if there's anything that does click with me. And still, nothing's clicked with me apart from chasing Amy. And I don't know what it is about his films where it just doesn't work. Because, and I've watched, so with Clerks, you know, that was the big one. I've watched it, I think, three times now over the years just to try and get into it and go, okay, what is it that works for, you know, this big fan base and so many people that like it. And I still can't work, work out what it is for me. There's, I don't know, there's something in my brain that just won't let me get into it. Hence why Clerks 3 just had the same effect on me. Now, Tina, because I watched it with Tina, she disliked it more than me. She gave it half a star on Letterboxd. I gave yeah, it one. She, she hated she it. Really, she really, really hated it. And she hates all of the other previous Clerks films as well. Whereas I don't hate them. Um, they just do nothing for me. I just find them quite bland. And the, I didn't laugh at all in it. I've not laughed watching any of them. And it's like, is this comedy? Am I supposed to be laughing now? And this is a weird thing that's not really happened to me before. And watching it, and you know, and us in these podcasts and the whole 60MW team across all of the podcasts, you know, we're silly, we're daft, we can be rude and immature. And you'd think, well, surely you'd connect with a lot of humour in here. And I found it really out of place in this. There was one scene where Jay just pulled a flashlight out from under the counter and like, oh, and then put it back. And it's like... Uh, no, I, th I didn't. I didn't find any of it offensive. Don't get me wrong; I'm not that old yet where I find it like offensive. But it just seemed that it was shoehorned in that that kind of immature, rude kind of humour was like shoehorned in for the sake of it, rather than it sort of needing to be there. Um, the characters, so I knew the characters because I'd seen the first two films before. But because I wasn't a fan of them, I've got no real affinity for them. I've got no empathy for them. So I don't really care what happens to them. And there's, you know, emotional beats in this film where if you are a fan of the series and a fan of the characters and you've grown up with them, this stuff happening 
where you're going to go, oh no, what's happening? And there's bits that's going to make you laugh, there's bits that's going to make you smile, there's bits where they reference earlier films, there's the nostalgia factor of things going on, you know, with them playing hockey on the roof and stuff, and you're going, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's a nod to here. And there's, you know, characters that come back that have been all the way through the series. And, you know, obviously it's set in the store again. And there's that whole big nostalgia, you know, big hit that's going on. You go, oh, wow, this would be amazing if you're a fan of the previous ones. And I think because I'm not a fan of the previous ones, and this may well hold true for people listening, that there's nothing in this, for me at least, that would make me a fan of the series. There's nothing that then drew me into this universe that make me go, you know what? Yeah, this this is all right. I'm going to revisit the early ones as well because now I'm into these characters. So I was really distanced all the way through watching it and never drawn, because I like to be when I watch a movie that you're sort of sucked into the TV and into their universe and you're watching it almost like a fly on the wall because you're caring about the characters and you want to know what's going to happen and there's, oh, is, that, is this going to happen next? And, oh, that's going on. Oh, ha-ha, this, you know, this, that's really funny. That's happened. I never got drawn into the TV with it. I was really distanced from everything and going, no, I don't really care. And, no, I didn't find that funny. And I wanted to. I wanted to enjoy it. I want to, you know, enjoy every movie that I watch. But because I haven't got that affinity, which, you know, from what you've said so far, you clearly have, and I'm sure there's millions of other people out there probably a lot that are listening to this going, what the fuck are you talking about that love this universe and love these characters and love this film because of what it does? And I can see why people like that would enjoy it. But for me, because of my history with them, it's completely different. It didn't It didn't do it for me, mate. It didn't do it for me at all. And going back to um, what we were saying about uh, everything everywhere all at once in as much as mm. that being a bit of a marmite marmite film and i think actually do americans i mean alan i'm sure you listen to this but do you have marmite have you ever tried marmite i've tried marmite once i don't think i don't think i liked it i think that's the thing with marmite you either like it or you don't yeah. it's yeah there's no there's in no between. middle there's no middle <laughs> so um so yeah from from my point of view I, well first thing about the film right i'll say is that um Jason Mew's teeth. <laughs> yes, that was Tina brought this up as well. They are quite distracting. Distracted me yeah. a bit because uh, so the whole thing about uh, the Kevin Smith films from that that sort of like include those characters is that Jay and Silent Bob are you know are cameo people and they pop up and so Jane Jay says some stupid shit and that like and then Bob pops pops up it doesn't say anything uh because he's silent bob and then he'll say something profound and whatever so you know that's that's kind of the whole thing and I, and, and so my favorite uh, yeah you've you said it yourself my favorite kevin smith film and i haven't watched it for a long time but i remember watching it at the time and falling in love with it because it's about relationships but it has the whole pop culture stuff there's a whole scene in it which is all kind of derived around the jaws scene where they're in the boat and they're talking about the scars that they've got and all that sort of stuff and and, and listening to the um the audio commentary at the time, you know, it, it, it's interesting that they go into that kind of detail and whatever, but, you know, so I love, um, or at least I remember loving chasing Amy. That's probably his best film dogma. I think I, well, I enjoyed it because 
it's got an all-star cast, doesn't it? You know, it's Alan Rickman, you know, Ben Affleck, um, um, Bourne, what's his name? Um, Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. You know, um, it's, got, it's got an all-star, all-star cast. And the thing is about Kevin Smith as well, he's, he, religion is clearly a big thing for him. I think he was brought up Catholic. And that's the whole theme, the thread that, follows through his films is you know religion is a big thing you know and but so let's let's kind of suppose go to this film clerks three so well go back a little bit and this is where i get totally understand it's a marmite film because when you first meet somebody and i remember when kay and i got together and because clerks at at the time was an important film for me I sat down and watched it with her. She'd never seen it before. She fucking hated it. She (laughs) she genuinely didn't like it. She didn't think it was funny. She just didn't get it. There was nothing in it that she liked. Mm. And I'm like, are you mental? What is wrong with you? (laughs) They're talking about Star Wars in a film. What's wrong? They're debating whether, you know, there's contractors should be used for the the, the Death Star or whatever. This is amazing. (laughs) You know, what's wrong with you? So, she didn't like it. But then we went to watch Clerks 2 at the cinema, which, um, again, I wasn't expecting uh, because, like I said, I think Kevin Smith said he you know, he didn't want to do a sequel. And she enjoyed it, and we both laughed at it quite a lot, you know, laughed along with it kind of thing. So with Clerks 3, I, I'll be honest with you, I had no idea it was coming out. And then so when I saw it on Amazon Prime, I was thinking, okay, let's give it a go. And... For me, it's it obviously it's the final film in the series. Cause I think it, Kevin Smith's even exploring More Rats too, which More Rats didn't do very well. You know, yeah, financially. I was just looking it on on IMDb. It says in pre production. It says Twilight of the Mole Rats, which is an odd choice considering mm. you know, but whatever. So um, uh, where so Clerks Three, I wasn't expecting a lot, but actually, although it didn't make me laugh out loud and and the first 15 minutes or so there is all of that kind of pop culture talk talking about different things and whatever and i was thinking uh, you know it almost felt a little bit on the nose but then when they started one of the main characters randall has a heart attack and then you know he starts he decides he's going to make a film about uh you know working in the shop and the other thing as well is about these films is that there's always a sense of like it's it's autobiography, you know. Obviously, these things happen to Kevin Smith because that's that was what he did. That's yeah, yeah. How the idea for Clerks came about, you know, he worked in the shop, and that's kind of how he decided to make his money and or not make his money, sorry, make the film, and and then you know the rest is history. It changed his life. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it. And then I think when they started to get into that and that relationship between Randall and Dante, um, and I I just kind of I had a, a smile on my face watching it all the way through because it did take me back to that time where these movies were really important for me. They aren't anymore particularly. I would like to go back and rewatch them, but they at the, that particular time in my life in the mid nineties when I was in my mid twenties, these films were really important for me and they they meant a lot to me mm. and. Uh, so watching this film, which is almost like a love letter to clerks, 
because it kind of disregards Clerks 2 a little bit. It does have elements of the characters and what happened in Clerks 2. I'll be honest with you, I only seen Clerks 2 once. Mm. Um, I had it on HD DVD and then watched it. You know, that's how long ago <laughs> it is that, that you know, wow. I had it. But um, I've only ever seen it once at the cinema. But so I, but I remember having fond memories of it. But it, it, it is more about the original Clerks and it is Randall making. It's essentially Randall making Clerks. You know, that's yeah. kind of. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it revisits, like you said, it bring, brings back all some of the, the original characters, the original actors from from the series. It riffs on the original scenes uh, that were from the series, you know, the, the, from from the first movie. And, uh, you know, it brings back all of those people. So it's a nostalgic love letter to the first film. And if you like the first film, then you're going to love, I say love, you're going to enjoy this mm. and i did and it made me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy for that time in my life where i loved everything to do with uh kevin smith giant silent bob uh, cult heroes they yeah it's a weird thing it made me think to a time where i was going out to clubs and and whatever and there were people actually dressed up as Jay and Silent Bob. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that kind of thing. And and Jay and Silent Bob were everywhere. they were in Screen Three for Christ's sake. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Huge. They, yeah, yeah. They they were a thing at one point. And and don't so it is schmaltzy going back to the uh, film that you were talking about with Dennis Quaid. It did feel towards the end a little bit overly schmaltzy, and I, so it's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it did f- make me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy mm. about my whole relationship with uh, Kevin Smith. And yeah, the, 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 there was that big the, nostalgia the, hit then for the early there, movies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, it's uh, don't go into it thinking it's going to be anything amazing. And I think if you don't like the series already, you're not going to, it's not going to, like you said, it's not going to change your mind. No. But I think if you do have an affinity with the early films, if you do enjoy them, then yeah, you're going to get something out of this. Yeah. So I think it'd be like if Samurai Cop 3 was made, you know, because I love the first and the second one. I love the characters in it and everything about it. And, you know, a big part of my life as well. And then number three was made. I would probably love it no matter what it was because of my history with it and that nostalgia and, and you know, and memories and all of this all helps. You know, when you're talking about a series of films, that all factors into it, you know, whether the movie is, is really good or not, not really good. And, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, people that don't like Samurai Cop 1 and 2 probably wouldn't like number 3. And it's the same with, with this as well. Uh, and I did, like I said, I really did try to enjoy it. But there was just, there wasn't that hook that drew me into it. There was just no hooks whatsoever to draw me into it. But, you know, I'm mm. glad I've seen it because I've seen all three now. So, yeah, you know, you know, at least I can comment on it because I have watched all three. They're just not for me. And that's fine. Not every not every film or series of films is is for everybody. If you like them, good. And if you don't, it's fair enough. But give, it, them, give it, them a chance. And fair play to Kevin Smith as well. Um, you know, for getting films made, you know, as an indie filmmaker, and he gets them made, and that's got to be applauded as well because, you know, he's still getting out there and he's still doing it. So, you know, good on him. I hope he continues to do it because that's his passion. That's what he loves doing. So I hope he carries on making movies. And that's the keep watching them and give them give them a chance mm. and that it does make me wonder if it's a generational thing um in as much as that so 
the time in my life, I was in my mid twenties, and so when Kay watched them, she was a bit younger than me. Whereas I suppose you're a little bit older. Yeah, I, so... I, I don't, I don't know if it hit that certain. It'd be interesting yeah. to know if it was people in their mid twenties that kind of fell in love with these films as a when they came out, obviously, as opposed to, you know, maybe you're. And you do change. You, I think you do. You know. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, and you, and you, you do change your tastes yeah. and everything. Oh, so hugely, yeah. I don't know whether it is a if it's a certain time in your life when you watch them originally. Whether, but then saying that, I haven't watched the Jane Silent Bob reboot, which I've been to, well, I've read. He's a load of bollocks. It is and again. Yeah. <laughs> well, whether I would like them or not, because you know the, those characters. I think, I think even the the, um, the Jane Silent Bob movie that came out in two thousands was. Um, almost pushing it too too mm. much i think it, it, it you know it was they are cameo characters for a reason yeah, but yeah. you know um but no uh, overall uh, and just going back to what i was saying about that, i suppose that um comparison with uh, james gunn in as much as so at one point i mean again when he was at his peak of his powers uh kevin smith you know he was linked with superman i think you know because he's yeah, a, i mean yeah. his daughter's called harley queen for fuck's sake do yeah. you know what i mean it's like well you know he's, he's so he's clearly got a love for and i think he even wrote some daredevil comics and he's done some other bits and pieces you know he's obviously got uh you know ben affleck with batman and whatever um and it obviously well ben affleck was daredevil as well wasn't he hmm. so you know it, it there's clearly a love for comic book stuff but maybe because his films were i think he had a few flops obviously jersey girl cop out red state i don't think did particularly well um he just he was never given that chance to direct those big blockbuster marvel films i don't know uh i don't know whether they would work or not but yeah i don't know well, it was two, I think, two decent choices for the double dip this episode. I mean, you you enjoyed them both. I enjoyed one of them, and you know, I'm glad I've watched the other one. Like I said, I'm always up for watching anything. So, even though I didn't didn't enjoy it, wasn't my taste. At least I give it a shot. Thanks to your choice. So, yeah, not too bad overall. I don't think. Yeah, and just looking at IMDb, and this is totally random and different. I don't know what this is. This is recent. I have to say. <laughs> okay, so. There's photos we love is the title of the uh the the you know the thing. So I've clicked on it, right? Hmm. There's a picture of Martha Stewart and Megan Fox. Um I would totally go for Martha Stewart at this point in my life. Because <laughs> Megan Fox, what the fuck do you look like right now? <laughs> Jesus. That's, oh my god, she's had some work done to her. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Sorry, Megan. In Transformers, you looked all right, but my God. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah. All you kept seeing was her ass in Transformers, though. <laughs> yeah. Great... Excuse me, talking about objectification of women and whatever. And I'm now I'm as, I'm the problem. Yeah. There you go. I've, yeah. I've had too many drinks. Ban, ban you. They'll be getting Can... a protest against you next. Cancel me. Yeah. Cancel Chris. <laughs> Well, there we go. Some good recommendations there, as always. Um, we'll be back in hopefully another couple of months. That's what we tried to do. Sometimes, like we, you know, we say, life gets in the way. Um, I know what you're going to do soon. You're going to go away on holiday. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I will say, um, well, people would have heard this already because the show released before this was a Trophy Achievers show. So they would have already had you in their ears, mate. And you're in Ooh. their ears once again. How about that? So, the, yeah. yeah. Plenty, plenty of shows upcoming by everybody. Um, I know I'll, I'll do that. I'll do the housekeeping now. I'll just say, if you want to catch up with everything, go to 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60, not alphabetical. Everything's on there. All the podcasts that we do, the news, the reviews, the links to our social media, the ways that you can leave us a review, which would be very nice. We've not had a review for ages. So if you've not done that yet, that all helps. And uh, yeah, just spread the word. If you enjoy the shows, tell your friends about us and uh, pick which ones you like, be it these entertainment shows or the gaming shows that, that Chris is on a couple of those, the Spotlight Reflection shows, the Rant show. We've got plenty of shows. Just go to the website and have a look. Mm, decade yeah. of Decadence. Yeah. I think we've got it all covered, really, haven't we? Uh, what's the um, the ones where you, the music ones that you do? Oh, yeah, the sound check shows. The sound the, check yeah. them out. All the interview ones, the review roundup show came back with me and Tina. There's other shows coming back. And yeah, there's uh, plenty for you to get stuck into. Just pick and choose which ones you like. 505 shows. I think I worked it out. I, I haven't got it in front of me anymore, but I'm sure I worked it out. The, you know, the rate of shows that we release per month. Uh, it's ridiculous, really. It you is, know, really. Just, and considering uh, we're, we've had a few big gaps for a few months due to ill health and shit, so, and it's still... We've kept up a pretty good batting rate, I think, overall, for what's coming up to... Well, June will be, I think, June's nine years that we've been doing 60MW oh. now, so... Yeah, still going. <laughs> I'm still playing bloody pure pool. Sorry, that's a reference back to when Dave asked me. We were having a chat over pure pool about just starting this up god i'm you're, still playing it you're still playing it there you go mate still playing that and still doing the podcast that's all good madness <laughs> right. oh god so do you, do you want to say if people want to follow you anywhere mate online yeah i i'm on twitter i do look occasionally i want um at dastardly jabby actually we did have um a little bit of correspondence oh i'm trying to get twitter it's all right uh going back to this is really unprofessional and uh but yeah we we had um i think it was gav um mentioned here we go so uh yeah quick shout out to psalm 67 who's who retweets and listens to our shows uh, so thank you to him uh kaiser soze 13 uh he put in the chat i'm so glad that you two are reviewing clerk three i just hope you felt like me at the end that it was the perfect goodbye to the trilogy yes i did uh so uh there you go and uh he also replied because I, I responded to him saying that yes we're going to have a chat about it i enjoyed it perhaps more than you did um and he said excellent i'm wondering if that's the end of the whole jane silent bob movies as well hmm <laughs> I would probably say so. Yeah. Although you never know with, well, probably not. Cause if he's doing more rats, then no. <laughs> That's I'll, true. Yeah. You know, he's, if he's doing more rats, then yeah. Mm. Right. Let's see. We'll be back in a couple of months. More movie, TV, audiobook. Who knows what recommendations. If it's entertainment related, we'll try and find what's good for you to uh, get stuck into. Give us any feedback. If you've watched stuff that you like, let us know. If you've agreed, disagreed with what we've said, let us know. Just send us an email. 
contact us form on the website or just contact at 60mw.co.uk and we'll read them out in the next one until then uh yeah we'll disappear you can relax mate start your holiday and i'm gonna walk the dog how about that excellent i'm gonna have another beer nice one oh yeah there you go